I don't treat this show lightly. I seem carefree, but I'm deeply serious about this show. Mm-hmm. I can tell by your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> everyone, this is David Dedrick. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. Oh, wait a second. I said it, I said it backwards. Welcome to David Dedrick. This is Sneaky Dragon. Uh-huh. And that's the end of the show. <laughs> we are doing it backwards. Eh? We're Benjamin buttoning it. That's how it's going to be. That's going to be. And who are you, sir? I'm, yeah, I'm the jet lag guy. Why are you sounding this way? Explain <laughs> this to me. I can lag my own jets, sir. I just, I just came back from New York City. Mm. Oh, yeah. New York City? That's right. Bring some salsa. <laughs> Enjoy. Thank you. Uh, you did bring me back a very nice gift, by the way. Oh, what was that? You uh, brought me ten graphite pencils by Roz Chast uh, with some beautiful uh, different colors. Yeah. Of uh, there's gravel. Yep. Fossil. Yep. Fog. Enigma. Pigeon. Dust. Nimbus. Sidewalk. Sardine. And then the last one is Dorian, which has an asterisk beside it, and the asterisk is uh, ha ha. Ah, but they're very beautiful. If pencils. I was playing uh, the pyramid, I'd say things that are gray. <laughs> they're all they're kind of a, I don't know if they're gray. Is it more of an accru color? Would you say? Well, oh la di da! Oh, it's, it's very accru. <laughs> Good point. I, I sir, I'm a colorist. Mr. Fancy Yeah, you are a colorist, Dave. What are you a colorist on? I am a colorist on uh, Sparks, a book that we uh, did together. That's right. You were the colorist. I wrote it. Uh, Nina Matsumoto. Uh, was uh, nice enough to draw it. She's fantastic. We're working on the second one right now. We'll see how that goes. But it, there's, it always feels like there's one thing missing about the book to me, and this is my because I've worked on television things as well. Does Dave. it have a front cover? It, it's got a front cover. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't have a bibliography. Maybe that's a problem. <laughs> does, but but does it have an index? Well, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say here's the here's the yeah. thing. Is like when you work on television. Yes. It's great because you get, uh, you get like a, it always starts with a nice snappy theme song, you know, like, and you never get that with a book. No. Like a book doesn't start, the old man and the sea, he's out there, he has to pee, and he will pee and pee and pee, he pees into the Wait. sea. Old man! You know, I, you it, never get that. I've never read that book, but I feel like I, I know it now so well. Well, name, a, name another book and I'll tell you, like, the, the theme well, song. Well, let's would just, be. let's stick to that era of writers oh, and sure, sure. Uh, the Great Gatsby. Great Gatsby? Yeah. Who is great? I'll tell you now who's the greatest guy and how who's so great he's the best all the rest are not good but you know who's great well that's gatsby he is gatsby he's pretty good no he's great i said pretty good and i said great well fuck you dave fuck you back what <laughs> It's great, Gatsby. It's taking a turn. Yeah. Oh dear, I was no, no, I was enjoying it to a certain point, and then I felt I, it got personal. I'm going to throw a challenge back to you. Then, oh Dave. dear, now, this is a big challenge. Okay, we've never met before, right? That's true. All right, so I'm going to challenge Should you. Should I pick any card? Yeah. All right, pick a card. Oh, you picked the race card. That was very weird to play. It's <laughs> a white fellow like yourself. Um, here's here's yes. here's what I'm going to challenge you to. I challenge you, yeah. uh, to to come up with a theme song to Sparks. Oh, right yeah, now you want right. A theme I song? want and, and, and hey. Yep. Don't don't phone it in. Okay. I want you to really deliver it. Okay. Okay. Ready? Now you're allowed oh. to have at least one friend help you. All right. All right. Perfect. Do you want to phone a friend first and see if they can help you, or do you want to just do it yourself? Uh, I'll phone a friend. All right. Who are you going to phone? I'm going to phone uh, Chris Roberts. Oh, he did a song for us in the past that was 
uh, Sneaky Dragon when Sneaky Dragon flies. It was a, a beautiful yep. song about yep. our, uh, you know, our, our podcast for that our three, uh, we used to enjoy doing. It was for our 300th episode. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, It's a lovely song. So you're going to give him a call right now? I'm going to give him a call right now. Okay, give him a call then. Do you want me to dial right now? Yeah, if you could dial right now, that'd be great. Okay. All right. Let me just get out my, uh, here we go. Okay, find my, okay, here we go. By the way, if you're really calling him, I will have to back away from this because I have a strong phone uh, phobia. Okay. All right. How? Where does he live? He lives very far away. Wait, is he using my phone? Is this long distance? Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead. That's fine. These Scottish phone numbers, fuck. Okay. Um. You know what? What's that? I can't remember the last two digits. Oh. I memorized this. I memorized all thirty-eight. I thought I'd memorized all 38 digits of his phone number. Okay. But um, apparently I forgot the last two. Well, just text him then. Let just, me. Just text him. That's easier. Okay. Okay. Let me just erase. Let me just erase these. Okay. A third of the way through. Okay. I can't believe I forgot the number like that. It's so stupid of me. Um, yeah, I'll just send him a te- quick text. Okay. Let me just get on my text thing here. All right. I text him now. Here we go. All right. Let me just type in something here. Dear Chris. Mm-hmm. I usually, I like to be a little formal with my... Yeah. Uh, Prithee, Sarah. <laughs> Prithee, Sarah. Uh, no. Uh, hey, trying to put together a theme for Sparks... Uh, any? Are you writing the ahs in there? Ideas? Yeah, I wrote the ah. Okay, you tell it like it is. Good for you. Yeah, yeah no, no, I don't. I don't pull any punches. I'm gonna tell him that too. I mm-hmm. don't pull any punches. He won't understand the context of that, but I, he'll. he'll oh, be it okay autocorrected too. I don't pull out. <laughs> I, I, she says I don't pull any pinched. I don't know what happened there. Was, I don't punch any pandas. I don't punch <laughs> any pandas. He'll okay. understand. He's Scottish. Yeah. He gets that. Yeah, you're Scottish. I'm not. You get that. Sure. Okay. And then it's going to put Loch Ness Baby with an exclamation mark. No, no. Two exclamation marks. All right. I'll send that off and I think we'll, all I think right, we'll, we'll be see all what good. happens. All right. Send. Okay. And. Oh, you got a response. Has the song come back? Uh, oh, my gosh. Well, Chris is amazingly uh, creative. I, I thought there'd be a little bit of back and forth. Yeah. I thought he'd send it to me. I would make some suggestions. No, wait a second, Dave. Mm-hmm. Did you forget all that? You just passed out for like two days. Was that right? Yeah, I edited out the silence because okay. it was like awkward. But we've been going back and forth oh, okay. pretty heavily. Okay. Yeah, he's finished the song. Oh, okay, okay. Do you mind just playing it? Sure. All right, here we go. Here we go. Even though I'm 
Well, that was just swell. Yeah, that was great. That was really, really, really nice. By the way, I've had that song stuck in my head for a long time. Yeah, now. it's uh, it's fun to whistle mm-hmm. while you're walking around. Yeah, you don't have a lot of good uh, whistling songs. No, they're not. They're not a lot of great whistling songs. And the ones that are whistling songs are generally like kind of that I can think of are like kind of it's sort of they're sort of whistling kind of forlornly. I guess yeah. you could say. Like Jealous Guy, the John Lennon song, or this. Uh, this also, by the way, was really inspiring when I was uh, kind of finishing up the uh, second uh, script. Yeah. So thank you very much for that. It really did mean a lot, and I know Nina also really loved it. Uh, if you don't know what Sparks is, it's two cats. They dress up as a dog and become the most famous dog hero in the world. Anyway, it's in your bookstore. You can buy it. Uh, but yeah, that's just fantastic. Oh, Yay! Yeah. So thank you. Like that really did uh, touch us deeply. And uh, that's the kind of thing that we never expect. And when that kind of thing happens, we go, <gasps> yes, <No. laughs> you're right. Yes, it meant a lot. And uh, thank you very much, Chris. We appreciate it. Yeah. And the rest of the uh, podcast will be downhill from here. <laughs> downhill racing. Yep. It was actually kind of nice because when I was in uh, I was in New York, I was seeing. Wait uh, a second. You were in New York? Yeah. Here's some more salsa. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was in, uh, I went to a Brooklyn uh, flea market. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. I'm going to assume that you did not say what I heard, but that's okay. Brooklyn Flea Market. Okay. I heard Brooklyn Flea Market. So yes. I was, thought it was like near the courts. There was some flea the going on, okay. yeah, for there sure. Was some, okay. But there was a very artsy, fartsy kind of bookstore that was nearby, and I went into it, and uh, that's actually where I got you the uh, the pencils that you, that, that you enjoyed. Oh, thank um, you. And uh, Sparks was there. They had two copies of Sparks. Which was a bit of a thrill. It was a surprise. It was like, well, oh, this is this weird little uh, bookstore, and it had uh, two copies, which was nice. It, it's cool that they had two copies as well. Yes. Not just the Diverger one copy. That yeah, Diverger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought I'd throw a little French out there for people. Please they, do. They, they like uh, and that was the that was our successful book uh, uh, 
goings to. Uh, my Did wife, you have some unsuccessful yeah, book goings? Yeah, uh, my wife P and I, we, uh, we had a, a lovely, uh, time, uh, visiting the New Yorker offices, uh, and, because we yeah. both work on you work the, for cartoons. For so them. let me just ask you sure. a couple questions about this, because I'm really curious. So are they in their original building when they started, or did they, have they moved through time? Into They've different... moved through time, yeah. They so are they in a pretty mo- Square, yeah. Okay, and they're in a pretty modern office building now? They're in, uh, they're in the World Trade Center. Well, the new one. Oh, the new one. Yeah, they built another one. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, they built a new, they built a new one. Okay. Yes, that's right. Is it that big, ugly silver building near the bridge? Well, now I feel like a bit of a dink because I, uh, I've been in it and it's really amazing. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's, but it a, is a bit of an eyesore from you know, outside. You know what? You really are putting me up against <laughs> the, a wall you right know what? now here. Yeah. When I, I was just up against the I was wall, I'm going to tell you some nice stories about it. Sure, no, sure. it's actually, it's very beautiful and they have a wonderful memorial that's there that's okay. really, really beautiful. Oh, yeah. And then they've got the 9 11 Museum there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the New Yorker offices are in. Uh, whatever it's it's called now, and I don't know, is World Trade One or something along. Are they going to build another one there? No, because the other one is the uh, where the memorial. I see. Uh, is I see. So uh, so yeah, we we went there and we had a, a, a and it's very high security when you go inside. It's like you know scan the bags and get the tags yeah. and do yeah. the thing and all that. Uh, but we were meeting. Isn't almost every building like that there? Nope. So in like so you went to Thirty Rockefeller Plaza. Well, if, and it, depends, let you in. it depends where you're going in 30 Rockefeller I Plaza. See. I see. You know, uh, there's certain certain things you can just go into, and mm-hmm. certain things, uh, yeah. If you're going to go up to Saturday Night Live, you're going to get uh, scanned and poked okay. and all I that see. kind of I stuff. See. Yeah. Uh, we went to a uh, rehearsal well, for of... Seth uh, Meyers. Oh yeah. So yeah. Okay. Had to put our phones through a scanner uh-huh. and that kind of they stuff. They don't want you recording the show. Yeah. But the uh, but the New Yorker uh, was was just crazy beautiful. I'll tell you about that in a second. But after we were done, we went like, oh, how far away is uh, the Scholastic Bookstore? Because I went, oh, we'll go there. Yeah. Uh, Yelp makes it look real good, and it's like, well, <laughs> it looks like we're on like 100 block. It's on 500 block. That sounds good. Uh, let's go for a walk. Well, now, if you're in Vancouver, that's five blocks. Yeah, yeah. It goes up by tens. Ten? How do you mean it goes up by tens? So I'm in the 100 block. Yeah. The next block yeah. is the 100. Uh, 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 it's like uh, 11, you know, 111. Okay. Or whatever, 110 yeah, block. Yeah. Then 120 block. Okay. That's one, and it goes like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's much farther. So I we see. went for a very, very, very long walk. Okay. Then we got to the Scholastic Building. I was like, ah, oh, here we go. Finally yeah. here. Yeah. Entrance around the back. Oh, that's weird. Okay. So we, we have to go around the back, which is a number of blocks as well to get around the back because okay. the building is huge. Sure, sure. Get around to the back. Uh, well, this isn't a bookstore. Oh. And then we find out the bookstore closed three years ago. Oh. But Scholastic offices are now there. And You're... so I could have gone to meet my boss, but uh, by that point I was uh, very sweaty. Yeah, and uh, no, so we so the, that bookstore did not exist. Do you regard your editor at that paper or that paper, at that company as your boss? I consider the guy who started it, which is the guy who started graphics. Yeah. I consider him. I don't know my boss, but I, I think of it because in that aren't way. you? Aren't they just facilitating you? You creating something? You know like, what? You are really stirring up a lot of hornets' nests with me. <laughs> So you call that guy your boss, huh? In that big shitty fucking building? (laughs) Whatever, buddy. So anyway, what I'm going to do tomorrow is come down to your work. Apparently. And I'm I'm going to say, 
Apparently, three hours sleep is, is like a, a truth. <laughs> Every, everything that I'm saying is like, yeah, no, you say it like in a nice way. You know, the guy, uh, here's the thing. The fella, yeah, yeah. he's the guy who does the final approval for okay. everything. Yeah, so he, sure. he's the one who goes, mm-hmm. go forth okay. and uh, do things. So, you it's know. It's weird. Like, if you're talking about, if you're talking about, you know, like. He doesn't manage Kurt, me. Kurt Vonnegut. Like, uh-huh. I, you, you go, you know, his boss is at Doubleday. No, I guess not. Would you know, it seems weird. But if you say, but if you're working on a television series, are your bosses the producers? I would say yes. Hmm, I, I I guess so. Okay, here's the I thing. don't know. My wife is doing uh, now her uh, oh, but I mean, her, such, her book okay, her book series mm-hmm. is now uh, being made into a TV pilot. That's why we were there. Yeah. For for why the last man? It's mm-hmm. now being called why. So would you say uh, the 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 people who run FX are they her bosses? They really like initials there. Hmm. Uh, I'm working for them. <laughs> okay are they her bosses they're the no uh, no they're not no okay the, okay they're not her bosses at all what if she's working as a consultant on the show which she is are they her bosses now i guess so because that was a different role than being, ah, being, okay. a, well, there being we go. a creative i said it in a very light-hearted way uh mm. but uh you know i'm a i am generally a freelancer for mm-hmm. for things yeah so you know yeah yeah i don't care it's fine. I guess it's a way to look at it. Is... I don't consider my editor to be my boss. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially with uh, like something like Exorcisters, mm-hmm. where uh, the artist and I hired our editor. Yes. Definitely in that situation, no. And there really aren't any bosses at yeah. Image Comics. You're, you're working together to facilitate yeah, um, this creative endeavor. But graphics at Scholastic is a little bit, it's a little bit of a different situation okay. uh, than, than, than Image. But I, we do have a lot of freedom. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But they don't own Sparks. They okay. They don't okay. It gets into a lot of details here. Okay. Basically, Nina and I, Nina and I own it, but we're limited in what we can do with it. Sure. Unless we want to take it. Yeah. Uh, away, which we do not. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Image, uh, yes, fully own it, can do what we want with it. Yeah. Unless there's some sort of very weird conflict where, you know, cer- certain things they're allowed to do with it that we've said they're allowed to do with it. And so if we double up on those certain things, like, you know, if, 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 uh, we said, Hey, Image, you can make this amount of t-shirts, but, and we go to another t-shirt company and go, you can also make those same shirts, then that would not be a thing. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't really happen very much. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I just thought it was an interesting way to to refer. This it just seems weird to me in something like publishing, where you know, ideally, it's a two way street, not a one way street. If I worked for Marvel, yeah, and I had an editor that hired me to work on, say, Fantastic Four, yeah, I would say they were probably my boss because of uh, they would be making all these decisions, they would be doing all these things that a boss would do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I guess it depends on the situation. Yep, it certainly does. But let's all agree on one thing. That World Trade Center is a big shithole. Right, Dave? <laughs> I just, big, I saw, beautiful building. I saw a picture of big it. Big piece of crap. Let me, let me explain. I saw a picture of it. Uh-huh. It's a beautiful skyline of New York. Uh-huh. Merely a little brown looking. All right. And in the middle of this skyline, this uh-huh. lovely skyline. Sure. It's this big, giant silver dick hang, hanging out there. Well. And you, I just was like, well. You know what people said about the, uh, the other World Trade Centers? Yeah. Ugly. Well. Yeah, no one said they you were can, good looking. You know, you can take criticism too far. That's my feeling. I'm just saying. I'm just saying <laughs> oh, some brother, words. If that, if you're, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying some words here. You're saying some words that are coming out of your mouth, <laughs> and this is the good. way. This is what's happening, <laughs> and things are being said. I'm going to show you a picture of it. I think that looks pretty to me. Okay. 
Okay. I think that's a very nice uh, looking building that I'm showing maybe you. Maybe right it's there. not. Maybe it's a different one. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to. You you talk. Okay. You talk. All right. I'm going to say like uh, you... we had a we had a lovely uh, lunch on the 64th floor. Oh, which looked of that like building? You were, yeah. You looked like you were looking out like uh, Olympus. And and I gotta say, actually, it was actually kind of touching when we were there. First of all, we did go to the memorial and paid paid our respects, and it it is very beautiful. And they have the names of everyone who was lost. Uh, then and and they had roses on certain people's names, and we wanted to know why that was. And it was because they were is their birthdays. That is uh, just not. It's not it. That's no. not it. Okay, so no, that's what it is. That's not the building. That's right. But that's ugly, right? Yeah, it's not a good looking building. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's a different building. I'm sorry, I didn't. I just said absolutely. No. <laughs> that's fine. Okay. Look up, uh, look up the building I'm telling you about. Uh, but, but they, it was, uh, it was because their, their, uh, it was their birthdays. So they put a rose on their names for their birthdays, which we found like especially touching. And they do Oh, this is you. one Manhattan square. Sorry. Okay. Go on. I just wanted I just, to see. Here's, okay. I want I'm to tell you exactly what's going on right now. Let me, <laughs> let me lay out exactly what's going on right now. Cause right. you, I gotta tell you. Yeah. Here's what it is. Sure. I'm telling you the most tender fucking story. I'm, sorry. I'm telling you like, I'm telling you like, I saw the memorial. There were the yeah. names of people who were lost. You could put your fingers on it. Uh, there was, uh, it was their birthdays. They put a rose yep. on it. Yep. It was the most tender thing. Yep. That's an ugly building though, right? <laughs> this thing's a piece of crap, right? I'm it's sorry. just like coming in real hard with no. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. So. I'm sorry. Both are correct. You're right. That building you were showing me <laughs> is quite ugly. Yes. The memorial was also very touching. Okay. We also had a lovely time. Uh, in the, in the tower. Here's the second part of the touching story I'm going okay, to tell. Sure. If you have any real estate criticism, <laughs> save it for the end of this story. I didn't, because it will I didn't expect jarring. you to, I, I asked you to vamp. I didn't expect you to get, to get, uh, touchingly vampy. Sorry. Okay. Very good. Okay. So, uh, because kind of Pia really knows the area sure. and stuff. And so it really hit her hard on 9-11, you know, everything. And sure. you know, there's times where we've been in Seattle and they've had like pieces of the tower there and it's been very touching. So, so we were up there on the 64th floor and just looking out and just going, oh man, they rebuilt. They rebuilt. They were yeah. attacked and they yeah. rebuilt and, yeah. the, and it was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was just this real nice feeling of just like, no, you didn't, you didn't win this one. No. You got, we, we, they rebuilt. This is what people did. Yeah. And now it's this, it's, this is a wonderful thing. Sure. So that was a very touching thing. Anyway, go back and back to you. <laughs> no, it's, I know that's fine. And I, and I think it's, ex- sorry, I'm not, I think, I'm really not ragging on you for that, but that just seems so No, no, jarring. I'm sorry. It was a little, I was, it was a little t- tone deaf and I apologize for that. Just because I said, well, could you please vamp while I look this up? And I didn't expect you to go in that way. So I was like looking up a picture, you know, so you're kind of concentrating and yeah. then, so I was what? The, Am I, I was, stepping on your toes? I'm sorry. So I was but at the Vietnam War ex- Memorial and uh, Good Morning Vietnam was a shitty movie, right? No, I, you know, had its moments, had its moments. <laughs> but platoon, ugh. Um, no, but it does make it does make you understand why, like in London, like people say, oh, they still had these bombed out areas, you know, and they never fix them. And you, you, why would they fix them and stuff? But then you're, then you're like, well, because it's a way to remember what happened. Yeah, you know, and to fix it feels like you're disturbing this, you know, this place that has memories and has meaning. Right. And yeah, so, but it's you know, and you remember after nine eleven, you know, a few years later when people are talking about rebuilding, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do? Beams of light to the sky that replace the towers. They still do those. Yeah, yeah. you know, and so yeah, it's it is fantastic. I think they've done. I think they've done a nice job with this. It really is beautiful. And the Mm -hmm. and the memorial, um, it's it's this water that just pours down in like this 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 square. And it's just so simple, but it's Ah, just that's beautiful water. 
This is beautiful because it's such yeah. a counter to the. Yeah, it really is. Happened. It really is really nice. I'd show you a picture of it, but I know you'd rag on it. <laughs> what you do it? I'm a architectural critic. You are such <laughs> a bitch. Well, you're the one who. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, I'm just funning. I'm uh, just. A, I'm just a funning. It's it's interesting though. Like, look what time it is, Dave. Oh, it's a coincidence. We're recording this on 9-11. We right are. Now. We are. I mean, as at, of the time-wise. At 9-11. Oh, uh, there you go. That's, I'm showing Dave now. It's just very, very sweet. Oh, that is nice. Yeah, there you are. I'm showing Dave some pornography right now. That's what he's saying <laughs> to Look at that hole. <laughs> um, We're throwing this episode out, right? <laughs> Hopefully not. It started with that nice spark song and then just went to this. <laughs> to this. Yeah. By um, the way, this is the episode that gets okay. us fired from working on a Disney film in the future. <laughs> the uh, it's interesting because we la- uh, last time we did a show, we were talking about the Malcolm Gladwell um, revisionist history episode about being disagreeable. Yes, and that doesn't mean like being rude, but about thinking counter to what seems like you sh- what you should do. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about nine eleven because I was having an argument in our lunchroom with some people. Not a, not a you know great argument. We were just talking, and I was counter to them in in the sense that I think that what happened after nine eleven was a mistake that we reacted badly to to the incident. And I think this is an example of reacting properly to something where you create a memorial to it that commemorates the lives of the people who are lost. You don't embroil embroil yourself in a twenty year or fifteen year uh, quagmire quagmire that you can't. You can't just justifiably leave, but you can't. Also, there's no way for you to fix it. Yeah, you know? the problem. The problem with with that is, how do you end a war that you shouldn't have started? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like for uh, both in both cases. Yeah, Japan invaded. Well, Japan surrendered. Well, then the war's over. Yeah, and we're done. Yeah, and uh, Hitler's defeated, and the Axis powers have been. And we're but now it's more it's important than that because but, after that happened, mm-hmm. there was a massive rebuilding program yeah. for those places by the people that absolutely that, you know defeated them. But there was no there was no reason to start for those parts yeah. of these wars. Yeah, so you don't we're have, Japan. Yeah, so what's the yeah. well? Mm, they're controversial, but but yeah, I just mean in, in that in except, that in except that Japan analogy actually, actually had a had a, had a, a plan, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, how do you end something that you had no reason to start? Mm-hmm. Like when are we done yeah. with this thing that was not done? Yeah, you know, and before that it was just ridiculous. You know, they used to mock Russia for trying to, you know, invade Af- Afghanistan. Like nice job, idiots. Yeah, yeah, huh? and here we go. But it it's, was. It was a gesture more than it was a. It was a, a, it was an intu- it was an intuitive or it was just a, a lashing out, mm-hmm. a gesture of lashing out. We have and, to do something. Yeah, anything. exactly. We have to and do they something. Did something. Anything. That's right. And that's what we're. I was talking in the lunchroom, and the person said, "Well, you know, they had all the goodwill in the world." I said, "Yeah, they had all goodwill in the world, and they threw it away yep. into this thing." And I said, and I just said, sometimes you have to be disagreeable. Sometimes you have to. Because I've been thinking about this, and I was just like, "This is a good example of that." Where sometimes you have to act counter to what seems what seems what you should do. You have to think of an alternative to what you're doing. Uh, it'd be hard because you have the pressure of the people mm-hmm. who also want to feel like they're something's being done to heal them, and they want that lashing out, and that's supposed to make you feel better. It doesn't actually make you feel better, though. Right? What makes you feel better is that you rebuild and you. Built. There's a. I was walking down the street the other day, and I passed a church, 
where was I? I was somewhere anyway. I was, oh, I was in Chilliwack and I was walking on the street and there's a church and it said, uh, to not forgive is to destroy bridges you should cross. And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting idea. I love that saying. And I feel like that's what we did there to not forgive, you know, and I also pointed out, you know, we should have been attacking Germany because that's where all the pilots came from. You know, so why weren't, why did we go into Afghanistan? We should have invaded Germany. I was just being silly, yeah. of course. But, you know, if that's your reason for attacking a place, because you feel like this is the Cause center. You had, yeah, because you had Dick Cheney and there was reasons that they wanted to. There were ulterior this anyway. motives, yeah. And so while yeah. we've got, yeah, <laughs> oh, this is our, we, we could actually like, you know, buy this house today with this money. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that. It, it's um, two, two things. One, I do, I do agree that the memorial, having a memorial right next to, a building, uh, the building where things are happening and being made still, yeah. uh, is, it's so good because it's like, it's both, uh, it's both, uh, respecting yep. and then moving forward. Moving it's forward, both things, yeah. which is yeah. what you do have to do. Yes. Um, when you talked about Malcolm Gladwell, I thought you were going to bring up a different thing that happened oh, okay. recently, uh, where, uh, Steve Bannon, speaking of the New Yorker, the New Yorker Festival invited Steve Bannon to be interviewed. Okay. And then people went, well, I'm out. But why? Because they wanted to hear his uh, thoughts on things. They no, were... no, that's what I mean. Why are people out when you have an opportunity to have to well, communicate here's... with someone and figure out what what oh, they're thinking? Okay, is and well, stuff. we can get in, we can get into yeah. that. Uh, but here was here was the thing. Uh, so uh, so people uh, who were a lot of people were dropping out. Okay, and uh, and the New Yorker uh, stopped said that we're, we're not going to have him. Yeah, and Malcolm Gladwell uh, said, "Call me old fashioned." But I thought, you know, if you want to have a discussion, you got to have people you disagree with. Otherwise, it's a dinner party. Yes. Okay. And, you know, that sounds like a clever thing to say. Yeah. But it's fucking stupid. Why? Because we know what he's got to say. Got to say. He's not going to say anything new. He's not going to... Steve Bannon is not going to uh, turn over a brand new leaf at this festival no, no. and tell you anything different than the things he's been telling you in the past. Okay. And what he has been putting forward is... um is 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 white power is is fear mongering is hate mongering and i think when you give these people who have it's not like the guy has never had a chance to come to the microphone and speak yeah but if like you had a lineup of people saying things and every time the guy comes up he says something hateful and bullshitty and mm -hmm. lies and sure. garbage then how many more times do you invite him up to the microphone? And do you go then, you know what, we should give him a bigger microphone. Maybe <laughs> then it would be okay. Yeah. And, 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 and that to me is like, when you, when you do this faux balance of like, oh, the person who's saying hateful garbage, and I don't mean just a differing opinion. It's yeah. not like a politically different opinion. Yeah. But like literally, provably lying hateful garbage and then you the new yorker go we're going to put you on stage to talk it feels like you're exploiting something for your own gain that makes you look like you're being big but you're not you're just making everything else to me small hmm. you know and I, I thought that was just a little bit smug of malcolm gladwell with that yeah you know it's like no no there's a lot of people you can disagree with yeah but you don't bring david duke up to, to, to say what he's going to say because you know what David Duke is going to say. You know, he hasn't changed his tone since the uh, 70s. I remember watching an interview on, uh, it was an old episode of This Week Has Seven Days. It was a black and white. Okay. Uh, I think it was Laurier Lapierre was interviewing the head of the American Nazi Party. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, this person was ridiculous, had ridiculous things to say, but it's interesting to 
witness that ridiculousness and to see yeah. it, to have a person, an interviewer who can contextualize it for you. Right. Now, I would say the difference about that is if the head of the American Nazi Party, uh, if you saw him so regularly yeah. that you could draw a character of him, yeah. you know him so well, yeah. then that's a different situation than, you know who we haven't heard from? These guys. <laughs> okay. What's their deal? Yeah. It's a weird thing to hear, but like, yeah, yeah. let's... If you have a guy from the clan, you know, and like, oh, what's what's he about? But if the this is someone who we have heard from so much, sure. what's the new thing that they're okay. going to tell Fair you? Fair enough. That's a good point. That's you good bring point. the head of Coca-Cola on, he's going to talk about Coca-Cola mm-hmm. and how refreshing it is. Because well, that's, that's what he does. That's possible. That, I mean, that's possible. Or you hope that you can have an interview with some sort of candor to it. But maybe we live in a time where candor, candor is no longer... A current currency that people want to. Well, you look at someone like an Alex Jones, and Alex Jones is someone who's uh, meat and potatoes. He has conspiracy theories, and it doesn't matter who the hurt. Like he says, the Sandy Hook uh, thing was fake; it was a false flag. Yeah, there you go. So he's a guy who I would disagree with. Sure, I don't. I don't care for that fellow. Yeah, would it make sense for me if I was having a festival of opinions? Yeah, to have Alex Jones on to do something, or do I know Alex Jones is going to just talk? bullshit yeah and is that worth is it worthwhile to hear the bullshit hmm. this is a question like yeah, I, yeah. i'm not 100 percent on it it just feels to me like when i watch the news and they always have the one person who's there to be the dissenting opinion yeah i just go well if you're balancing well, something out with this okay with alex jones yeah it's you know what he's going to say he's a one-man show i guess but could you have an interview with him where he's not frothing in the mouth and yelling where you're discussing these things in, Could you? A, in, in a rational way. That's what I'm asking. Could yeah. you do that? Well, what's what's what does that give him? Because he's got to no, get that's something the thing. out that's of it I'm, as well. That's what yeah. I mean. Like, what it could is it possible to do that? And you're right. Would he just would he just continue to form the Martha? Right. Or like an, an Ann Coulter, you know, who's kind of fallen from grace lately <laughs> because I think everything's gotten so crazy yeah. that her like she used to be. Hey, who's got a weird opinion that will be shocking? Yeah. Hey, her. Let's bring her on, and she'll yeah, say yeah. things and make up shit and say. You know, uh, Canada, you know, was in the Vietnam War and was uh, fully supportive of it. I was like, oh, all right, there were some Canadians in it, but there weren't. And then, you know, but uh, but because everything is so Ann Coulter now, yeah. there's no point in Ann Coulter. We've got enough chocolate. We don't need half-priced chocolate when we live in the land of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. So that's not that's not necessary. But would it, would, it, would it make sense to, like, have an Ann Coulter on when, you know, like, her thing is to promote her books, so she's always going to take a contrarian opinion yeah. that's shocking, yeah. and then her and then any time you say something to her, she will act offended and shocked that you're, and and, and she'll play she'll play yeah. a certain amount of cards that she knows how to play yeah. of like, yeah. well I'm offended. Well, how can you say that to me? Well, I'm a woman. Well, what are you doing then? Mm-hmm. Well, I find that oh that's terrible. Oh, that's amazing. You know the you know what they're going to do. Who are we going to have on the show next week? Is what I'm asking. Steve Bannon. <laughs> Very good. I know you've been looking forward to it. It also bugs me that the guy, when he first came to prominence, he looked a fair amount like me. I had a similar haircut to him. <laughs> like, he looked like me if I really drank yeah, and yeah. was more mm. evil. And I was like, <laughs> I don't need this in my life. I don't need this in my yeah, life yeah. at all. Yeah. This was this is another thing, too. Chris Cuomo, uh, one of the CNN guys, uh, was on a talk show. Sorry, and, Governor Cuomo? No, totally different guy, uh, who's an interviewer. And he was saying how... Um, it was actually on the Seth Meyers show, speak, speaking of which. Uh, but he was he was saying that uh, uh, liberals always say, well, why do you have on like the Kellyanne Conways? Why do you have those people on? They're just going to come on and they're going to lie and yeah, yeah. all this stuff. And it's like, and I just feel it's, it's so important to have them on to get that other side of things. <laughs> and, 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 and when I heard that, it was like, 
No, it's not because other side, if it's an opinion, yes. Yeah. If it's the other side is a lie to counter truth, yeah. No. You're a news, you're a news organization. By yeah. giving them any validation, you're now, uh, supporting lies by, mm-hmm. you know, uh, showing, well, you know, obviously we have, the, the view is worthwhile enough to put on, mm-hmm. uh, put on television. Oh, that's true. Uh, what yeah, do you do about I mean, liars, Dave? What do you do? Well, I feel like. Lie three times and you're off the air? Uh, my hope, my hope at a New York, New Yorker festival with, with, which is a which is with a good moderator or a good interviewer mm-hmm. that you could elicit something interesting from Steve Bannon. Yes, you may have to fight through a bunch of verbiage to get to a nugget of something interesting. Right. But it's possible that you could that you could have a good interviewer who's able to get interesting facts. The problem with news panel shows and stuff like that is it's just yelling. Yeah. And really there's no way anyone is skillful enough on earth to get anything interesting out of that. And this is not new. I mean, I remember when uh the Charles Grodin show went down the hill, down the hill and he became obsessed with with uh uh protecting uh President Clinton from the Monica Lewinsky allegations. And you know, he would regularly have like Lanny, I can't remember the guy's name now. I can't remember, but he is currently the um lawyer for a Trump guy. Oh, he's a lawyer for one of like one someone one of the Trump people who are or who are in trouble who are going through trials right now might might have been Manafort okay. it might have been uh, the other guy uh, Cohen I think he was Cohen's lawyer actually okay uh, but you know he's just, but he was just like a hired mouthpiece for the Clintons who would come on come on on a Friday yeah Friday show dump a bunch of information yeah so then it would be it would cool out over the weekend and so it wouldn't be so hot on Monday and you know you would just see it and you'd just be kind of like oh this is this, this kind of disgusting That's too bad yeah yeah and I mean. Whether you like Clinton or not or whatever, it's just, you're just kind of, after a while, you're just tired of people coming on and just everything was, no, that's not true. No, this is this, this is that, this is that, you know, always giving you all these half truths or lies or this massaged information and stuff. And, you know, as the truth is rolling out over here, they're still over here trying to throw a bunch of stuff against the door yep. to keep it out. And yeah, you just, I don't feel like, and that was a pretty moderate show. And I don't know if Charles Grodin maybe didn't have the skill as an interviewer, being an actor, not necessarily a person trained as a journalist, you know, or someone who could read body language, or you know what I mean? Like someone yeah. who could, uh, maybe he just didn't know how to get the information. He was just accepting these things that people were saying. But it's a, it's a good, it's a good argument against me. I'll say, I'll give you that. I, I think with Malcolm Gladwell, he's, uh, he's fallen into a little bit of a trap of, uh, he knows what sells books. Mm. And what sells books is, uh, being a contrarian, okay. uh, to, to, to whatever the common opinion is. He, he did do a show about being disagreeable. There, there you are, you know, <laughs> which, which then agrees with what he, with what he is. Yeah. yeah. And it, it makes for an interesting story. Absolutely. Sure. It's like what you believe the opposite is true. Yeah. It's always like something that makes you go, hmm. But it is. But then you gotta like take, you gotta take people on the right journey yeah. to it. But it is fun when, you know, I, I'll never forget his book about, or his article in New Yorker about, not a book, but an article about over focusing and over focusing and uh, overthinking. I think that's what they were. And he was talking about the different elements of it. One is overthinking is, and he uses an example of this tennis player who at Wimbledon or whatever, some, you know, big, some big uh, tennis competition, she was one one like one whatever away like one point yeah. away from from winning the entire thing and it, it was at that moment that her game entirely fell apart until she couldn't even serve properly she was yep. just serving to the net 
and her whole thing fell apart. And it was interesting because what he was saying is that's overthinking because as an athlete, you cannot think about what you're doing because if you do, then you are losing your edge because you are putting your thoughts between your actions and, and your reactions. So, you know, you're like, I have to do this and then I'm going to do that. But by the time you think that, and it's true because it, Can't was, left foot, right foot, left yeah, foot, right foot. Like yeah. Baseball players, when they are throwing a pitch, they have to swing at it at the moment it leaves the pitcher's hand otherwise they'll be too late to to swing at it so they have to read body language from that pitcher so it's partly guessing partly body language partly how the hand is held and stuff like that they have they have all these clues that they can see and process really quickly and make that decision to swing but they have to do it you know in a split second on that moment of the you know at the ball just leaving the pitcher's hand they can't wait for it to come part way down the line and so they can see the twist or the wobble or the bend or the curve or whatever they have to be you know ahead of it and that's and that's amazing. But if you were had to think about it, you wouldn't do it. You would always miss the ball every time. And then over focusing, he uses an example: uh, John Kennedy Jr.'s flight. And what happened with him is that he went into what's called a death spin or a death spiral. And you, you'll start to spin the plane in the air. And Gladwell went up in, into in a, on a plane ride with a pilot who put them into the death sp- spiral. Yeah. And you couldn't even tell that you were moving. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell that you were spiraling. The his pen sitting on the pad on, on the ta- the tray in the plane didn't even move because this everything's so balanced that you don't notice oh, wow. that you're in the spin. And so what happened was that Kennedy, who wasn't trained to fly with with instruments, was so focused on trying to find lights to orientate himself to where they were that he didn't realize that he was in a spin and he just kept going down and down wow. and down and crashed because he's over focusing. It was really interesting and it was a quite a quite a good article. I just remember like reading it. I didn't know who he was at the time. I was just reading uh, a New Yorker at a friend's house. And uh, like the top of my head hit the ceiling. I just couldn't believe it. If you, want, really to write, if you want to write a Malcolm Gladwell uh, type, type article, uh, take a strong belief that people have. Yep. You got to get to the opposite. Okay. And you got to get there in a way that makes people go, Oh, but yeah, that I that I really relate to, and that makes sense. Mm. And you got to do Maybe. that, and, and 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 throw a story in it. Too. Yeah, yeah. Throw a story in it too. Sure, I feel sure. like you know when you got like something like the ten thousand hours. Okay, practice makes perfect. Yeah, but that but it doesn't. For some people it does. For some people it doesn't. It's, uh, you can average it out. I'm sure if you if you had three, if you went to let's say. Uh, you know, you had three musicians who all have similar degrees of success. Okay. And you, and you talk to all three of them. Yeah. Uh, you would have different stories of how they, like, obviously, they, they practiced. Some yes. practice. There's lots of practice. Some, yeah, and some practice more, some practice less. They come to different backgrounds, they come to different, but it's not all just like a set. Like, I understand that's a, that's a thing. And, 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 and what, what makes that, cause, cause the, what you think is, what you think is, you're born with talent. You're born with talent and you're a sure. Mozart, and then, as yeah. he said, he, he breaks down the Mozart thing because he's got to break down the one thing that people believe. So you take the yeah. most popular version of that and like, yeah. well, what you thought about David and Goliath, no, no, no I'm going to break it down for you. But like <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so, so you think it's talent, yeah. but like, I'm going to, I'm going to convince you it's the opposite. It's just hard work. It's the amount of, uh, legwork. It's not instant like talent. Yeah. It's the opposite. But hey, I'm going to say that it's 10,000 hours. So now I've like put this in your head that like <laughs> you could do it if you wanted to. Yeah. And that's an appealing thought to people. It's like, mm, oh, sure. if I did put in 10,000 hours, I could play the violin. Are you going to? No. So you're not going to prove that or disprove it, <laughs> but it's a pleasant thought because you think like I'm going to well, live. Maybe, at, maybe that's why it appeals to I'm people. I'm going to live at least 10,000 sure. more hours. I know that. So yeah, I could learn piano if I wanted. What it's, a pleasant thought. Love it. That theory is great. 
it's no, kind it's of, not. It's not true, but it's a uh, but it sounds good and it makes a good book. It's kind of the the lottery win of uh, skill sets. Like this, is the idea that I haven't won the lottery, but I'm going to, mm-hmm. and when I do, my life will be so much better. Right. And when I win that lottery, I'm going to do this and that and this. Uh, or when I have time and I can practice playing the guitar for ten thousand hours, I'm going to be really good. Sure. I'm going to be I'm going to be a, mo- a great picker. I'm going to play, pick some great bluegrass tunes for you. It's a great. Uh, it makes you think like. Oh, I've, it, it opens your mind to, I have so much more potential. I can do so many things. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and that's great. And also, time. it's not anything that's not, uh, it's not just random selection of any sort. It's just, uh, it's just effort. Yeah. Um, so, and so any, that's fine. That sounds fair. That sounds fair. Yeah, it's that, a little too, it's a little too democratic. <laughs> yeah, it's very democratic and it's whatever. And, and frankly, I'm more leaning in that way. I do believe that for the most part, people can do that. Uh, whereas I know you're more talent based as far as like think, past discussions okay. of, of us. About. Yeah, yeah. I, it's not, yes, I do believe that, I do believe that there's a certain amount of talent. I don't think that you could, there were more than just the Beatles in Liverpool doing what the Beatles did, playing in Hamburg like the Beatles did, getting, signing a record contract like the Beatles did, but they didn't do what the Beatles did. Mm-hmm. You know, so you need, you need those things. Those bands were good. You know, you can't put down Jerry and the Pacemakers or, you know, whoever else you want to, the Liverbirds, yeah. you know, whatever. The you Also those... good on Jerry for inventing the Pacemaker. <laughs> saved a lot of <laughs> saved lives. Saved a lot of lives. Uh, but there was just something about John and Paul and George and Ringo that gave them that little bit, something extra. And whether it was the, the synergy of them together, working together, or the drive of Paul and John their their exploratory natures whatever yeah. you know there's just there's, there's factors factors that you there's cannot factors ever that know. you cannot yeah that you can't it's hard to calculate you know you can speculate but you cannot know it feels almost like you've got like a you know a thousand dart boards and you got all everyone throw a dart and mm-hmm. then you like you can then pick all the people that like threw the dart in the bullseye and now go okay now let's see what they all have in common yeah but you know there's just there's a certain amount of like so many factors that like no that's i know that sounds like you've just found all the best dart players yeah but you haven't you're just retroactively you now assigning <laughs> things like you know what and they all really had a good warm breakfast yeah and it's like no you just looked at a thing and you're <laughs> retroactively making a thing and yeah, yeah yeah it's easy when you're at the finish line trying to create a narrative uh but that's not necessarily what it is yeah yeah i you know i think i i would never put down the i i would never put down the quote unquote 10,000 hours or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is important. I think if, if you do something for a while, you'll notice you get better at it. Well, that's just a fact. If you do it right. Even if, well, we do this show, we're better at it. We do it wrong every week. You know, so in a way, practice makes perfect, but it's different. But practice doesn't make talent, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And the truth is nothing makes perfect. And nothing makes perfect. That's true. And, but there's something about, there's something weirdly specific about in like interest like that like let's say drawing where you know as a child i was drawing before i could write i was drawing i was you know i was drawn to create images on paper and that was fascinating to me and something i never get tired of doing um but you know other people i had a friend who throughout elementary school was a much better artist than i was way more facile than me i had to really struggle to draw if you need to take it, it's okay. Hi, dear. Hey, Dad. What's up? What was that text you sent me? Oh, did you like that text? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, 
It was a fake text I was writing for the show, and I just decided to send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought I, I thought you'd enjoy it. <laughs> a stroke of genius. Yeah. Are you Are you filming right now? We're recording right now. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Bye, dear. Love you. Bye, love you, too. Bye, sweetie. Ha-ha, she said I love you on the air. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Yep, that's proof. That's proof. She can never deny it now. <laughs> yep, ha-ha. Whew. You win. <laughs> um, now I can't remember what I was saying. I was probably talking about memory loss. Uh, <laughs> no, I just... Uh, my friend who could draw so much more easily than me, but when we reached grade eight, I went ahead of him by a step, and he quit drawing at that moment. Yep. Like, he recognized it, yep. and that was it for him, which I think is interesting. So, to me, he was less talented than me. <laughs> I don't mean that in a, mere, weird, in a mean way. I just mean that he didn't want – he wasn't interested in pushing forward. Yeah. Do you know? It's also what, what you're getting out of it or what it's I, – I was, I was Maybe so, yeah. Maybe, I, was, yeah. I was watching that uh, Mr. Rogers movie, um, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And he was talking about how when he was a kid, he had every disease there was, like every disease, basically. Okay. Uh, and, Berry, Berry? Uh, and he, he had like scarlet fever. He had just like oh, everything. Wow. Like, and so he was yeah. always bedridden and he would just. Parents or anti-vaxxers. I don't know what the situation was, yeah. but he, he kind of got into talking about how he had uh, these feelings that he, he couldn't express because he didn't, he wasn't very social. Mm. Uh, but like in music, he could express them through the music. So yeah. he could make music sounded angry or laugh yeah. and he could do this and, you know, and that was his way of getting it out. Hmm. So I don't know if it was like a practice practice thing there, but it was what he needed. He yeah. needed a way of expressing himself okay. and the piano allowed it, which then promoted the practice, which then made him a really good mu- musician. Yeah. It was interesting later on how he was talking about how, and he, he wanted to make sure he had made a note of this where he was like working on some shows and was talking about uh, going back to work on yeah. the show after yeah. taking a, a hiatus and, and, and talking about how frustrated he was writing the scripts and, uh, and, and how he wanted just to make a note of like, he didn't want anyone to ever think that this was easy. He's going to do it. Yeah. If it's very, very hard, he's going to do it anyway, but just don't ever think that this is easy. Yeah. Basically, even if it looks easy mm-hmm. and, you know, retroactively you'll go, of course he did it. He was this person who did this. And it's like, no, along the way it was all really hard. Yeah. Every script was hard. Every song you write is hard. Yeah. Every part of it is just damn hard. Oh yeah. And when it's done, it feels like, of course <laughs> that, of course all the Beatles yeah. songs uh, exist and they must exist. And they, they were, they were always going to exist. How could they not exist? How could let it be not exist? Yeah. We couldn't live in a world without let it be. But, but I feel it like was, it was hard work to write that say, damn thing. I was say, I never feel like it was easy for them. No. And that's interesting. Maybe it's my perspective after doing completely Beatles or, but I've never think I, I never, I think because I've wanted to do those things, I know how hard they are. Yeah. Like I would have, I tried to play guitar. I could not crack it. I could not crack the guitar. You know, like I cannot. It also might not be feeding whatever need you had to to express yourself. Yeah. It was not the guitar. It was okay when I was a teenager and I could make distorted squawk squalling noises. I, I look at something that was like fun. if you go home and you turn on your TV, there's like infinite television shows, and every one of those shows, and you'll flick from one to the other and go, yeah, nah, I'm bored, and then another, and then nah, I'll watch this one. <laughs> but every one of them was really hard to make. Yeah. And again, I, I just came back. We just came back from New York. Here's some more salsa. Uh, <laughs> And and I watched Three them jars. shoot this one scene. Yeah. I can't say what it was, but but it was a simple scene, mm-hmm. and they just shot it all night long to get I don't know thirty seconds of footage. Sure. It was like watching like I just sure. when I was talking to them about it, I was saying it's like being an animator. 
It's like, yeah, it is. And then you gotta like turn it a little bit. And they gotta do this thing. They gotta like, a little bit this way. And you gotta build everything first. Yeah, yeah. And it's all super hard work. And when you watch it on television, it'll be like that. Yeah. And if it's not interesting, you're just gonna turn it off. And yeah. we have all this stuff that's so insanely hard that people did. Mm. And you don't even think about it because it's just like, of course these TV shows exist. How could they <laughs> not exist? They're just there. The Big Bang Theory just appears. I yeah. don't like the Big Bang Theory, but it just appears, <laughs> right? It just makes you itself. just gave away how much you like it. Yeah. It's like a plant. It just grows, right? Sure. But no, it's all it's all super hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is. But if you do 10,000 hours, you can do it. Then you're a wizard, Harry. Well, I like what Dave Sims said, and this is one of the rare things I like All that he the said. time? Everything he said. <laughs> I like it all. He doesn't seem so bad anymore, does he? No, he seems pretty bad. Okay. I'm just thinking, like, compared to, come on, the world kind of really caught up and then went forward, right? Oh, I see what you mean. Like, where we are now. He's, yes. He's like, he's a quaint. Yeah. Yeah, he's a quaint, quaint misogynist. Yeah, he wasn't the worst. He's only a misogynist. Un- yeah, he, was, he wasn't the worst uncle. Yeah. Like, he's not a racist. No. Like, he, you know. Well, I don't know. No. No. Not as not. far as I know. He's not no. at all. No, okay, good. Well, you don't know that he's not I, at well, all. I, but as I know far that, as you know. I know that he has friends. Like he has Sikh friends and he has Muslim friends. Well, that, like that makes you, that so, makes you not a racist then. As, I, well, long as, you, you know, as long as you have friends, then well, that's okay. okay. Then you're not. Well, but I mean, it makes you less likely, wouldn't you say? I no. <laughs> it's like there's people who have friends who are of a certain group. Yeah. Who uh, you know, there's people who have gay friends who are homophobic. Of course, of course what? there are. There's people who have uh, female friends and they're yeah. uh, misogynist. Of course, mm. of course they do. I know it seems like it seems like sounds, if you like wrong. somebody, yeah. you can't hate the group that you, they're part of, yeah. or have issues with the group that they're part of, and that's yeah. not true. Uh, we love members of our family, and we have problems with them, you know. But we love them. But there's things you can still be like uh, anyone mm. who's a misogynist probably has a mum, likes their mum, probably loves their mum, probably not. Then love their mum. I think it stems from <laughs> stems from. All right. <laughs> um, but he said, um, first you get good, then you get fast, then you get fast and good. And I think that's that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that's a true thing to say. But that doesn't mean that it's easy, right? That's still it's still hard, right? Because you still have to do the work, and that's the hardest part of it, always. And that's the part that everyone stops at, right? And they also editors say uh, that uh, people people they work with can be uh, can be uh, good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could be they could be fast. Uh, what is it? It's fast. Yes, fast, uh, good, as in like really good at the work. Yeah. And also, uh, easy to work with. Hmm. Pick two. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Because otherwise, sure otherwise you found a unicorn. <laughs> and then you take that unicorn and you gently put them in a the little stable oh, and you true. keep your, keep your unicorn. Yeah. I think I would put myself in the, I could pick two categories for myself there, but not fast. Because you can take someone who's like not super good, but, yeah. You know, it's like, well, they're really easy to work with and they take notes well mm-hmm. and they're very, very quick on deadline. Oh, geez, that's what we need. Great. Yeah. You can deal with that. Yeah. Or they're really, really good and they're good to work with. They're not very fast. Well, I can find some projects for that person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'll be, that'll be okay. Yeah. Or if they're a jerk, but they're so fast and so good. Well, that's going to make me enough money that I can deal with them yeah, being yeah. an asshole. That's, uh, sure. that's going to be fine. Yeah. All three. <laughs> Yeah. That's the pot of gold, my friend. The pot of gold. Which categories would you put yourself in there? Uh, fast and easy to work with. Okay. Yeah. But you don't think you're good? No, I think I'm quite good. But, uh, but, but if you're going to give me two things to pick. Okay. I'm going to pick those two things. Uh, I would not say fast at all for me. I'm incredibly slow. Methodical even. Some might call it creep crawlingly. 
crawlingly slow. Creep crawlingly. Creep crawlingly slow. Have yeah. you ever been to Creep Crawlingly's the uh, the, the, <laughs> the little game center? It's fun. Is it? Creep crawling. Yeah, it's over in Westminster. Minister. Is it? Minister. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, you turned into my mum. It's her favorite thing to say. Newest minister. Mom is newest minster. Named after, named after a place in England. Right. Minster. And that was the start of your it's issues. Minster. And that's how you became a misogynist. That's how I became a minstrogynist? Uh, yeah, exactly. It's hard to say it because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, oh, sorry. Just going to say this really fast on Mr. the air. Yeah. Uh, I've said this off the air. If you ever go to the States. Yes. And I think you will. <laughs> most likely. You need to go to Shake Shack. Yeah? And you is need it to a chain? Go. Yes, sir, it okay. is. Okay. Oh, Yes, it is. And you need to get yourself okay. just a burger. Uh-huh. Get a smash burger. Sure. So good. It's unbelievable. So good. Okay, sounds I had, good. I had, uh, I had one of those burgers there. So good. Then, like, later on later on that night, because I can have two burgers a day because, you know, I'm a very young man. <laughs> we went to an old-timey restaurant. Not the one you're thinking of. We did not the Peter Luger's Crazy Steakhouse Amazing. Yeah, yeah. But just like a regular corner restaurant. I see. Kind of place that's been around since the 30s. Sure. You know. We're going to make you a steak burger. Where Michael Corleone shot the police captain. A little bit of that, okay. right? And so I had a burger, and yeah. uh, and I gave some to to my wife. Yeah. And she went, this is good, but this tastes like the past. And I was like, yeah, this tastes like a burger from the past, where you get a burger in a restaurant in yeah. the past. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's what a burger tastes like. And it's it's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. But we've gotten better. But it's missing something. It's missing something. Yeah. It's very, it tastes old. Not as in the meat's <laughs> old, but it's just like, this is what burgers used to taste like. Sure. And uh, and I know I'm talking about like a fast food burger, but uh, oh my gosh, it was so uh, so tasty. Oh, and I thought of you that. when I had it. And I was like, you know who'd like this? Uh, young David Dedrick would like this. I do. Well, young me would have loved it and old me will still eat it. Yeah. Uh, and regret it later. You would also enjoy an Ethan's hot dog from Coney Island. We went there. And oh went, yeah! Oh my gosh, that was well, so nice. You know I like hot dogs, but you know really I I'm, I only like kind of plain hot dogs. I, I don't know if it's worth my while to to travel by 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 elevated train out to Coney Island to do go to Nathan's. You, do you like fairs? Do you like amusement parks? Yeah. Well, that's there too. Oh, it's an amusement park. I see. You you don't you do know that I right? Know okay, that. good. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You didn't know. You didn't know. Nine uh, eleven happened at the beginning of the show. I, I had to had to break that news to you, and I felt bad. I was so <laughs> devastated to hear that. I was like, "Get him, America! Go yeah. out there and get him!" What? Not the buildings that guy walked on the typerope. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But there's only one now, so typerope. It's just to stop typerope walkers. That's the only reason they did that. Yeah, they don't want they don't want to bring that guy back. Freaking French people showing up. Yep. Alouette Jean-Pierre doing it again. He's jauntily crossing on those tightropes. This is why they do not have a second Eiffel Tower, because it would just be just stinky with Mm. uh, French people crossing back and forth. (laughs) Um, I was going to ask you something. Okay, so at Nathan's Hot Dogs on Coney Island. Mm -hmm. Home uh, of the $18 lobster roll. They have a lobster roll. For $18. Why why so much? Because it's lobster? Yep. That's why. That's what lobsters Is are. Is that a place to get lobster? Coney Island? Nathan's Coney Island? Some people seem to think so. Yeah. Okay. Enough to pay okay. $18 for it. Sure. They have good so, seafood there. You got a you got a hot dog? I had two hot dogs, but yes. You had two hot dogs there? Were they both the same or were two different kinds? Um, uh, my wife had one with ketchup on it. Uh, so Just ketchup? No. She had the okay. mustard, relish, and ketchup. I go uh, with the mustard and the relish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a little bit of that one and okay. I had my own as well. I like mustard, relish, and, and uh, onions. Oh, and mayonnaise. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You know, you might get looks. 
You might get someone having a word with you, take you aside. We'll see. I've I've done that since grade six when a girl in class ordered a, a hot dog with me. Okay, well you're an adult now. You can you can you, I said, can you can. I said I got to try that and see what it's like. And I went, oh, I already did like that. I like that combination of the the smooth sometimes whip with the uh, with mustard. Sometimes and... what you're missing is the mayonnaise. That 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 very well could be yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they do serve like simple hot dogs there. Yes, they're just. You know, mustard yep. and mayo, yep. or sorry, mustard and relish. Yes, with, sir. With with onions, and or stuff. just get that on any street corner. But yes, but the Nathan's one was especially good. Yes, it's especially good. The hot dog is especially good. Yes. Like the wiener is especially good. Yes. Huh? Why? They know how to do it. I they know how to do it. I, th- okay. th- you know what? Do you know how they watching, cook them? I was they... watching them cook them. Yeah. And they were cooking them in just big batches and picking them up and flipping them all up. Uh, 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 in, like, do they grill? Just in the grill. Yeah. Regular grill. That's the best. There's a bun. That's the best way. Put it in the bun. Get your own toppings. Go do okay. that. They don't do any of that. Sure. And it's like, well, this is perfect. How is come it, this is perfect? Is I was it, trying to look. I was yeah. like, why? Why is this? Uh, yeah. Why have you mastered this? Well, and we they, can't. They must. They must source really good uh, wieners. Then. Perhaps. Do, are they kosher? No, I don't think so. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I would love to. I know I there are a lot of kosher hot dogs though that, yeah. that are for sale. Yeah. Uh, on the street corners. Okay. So, the. I just want to go back a little bit. To Please. The, to the very beginning of the show. All so right. the New Yorker so, uh, offices. So you're saying, so you're saying <laughs> you can come up with a Sparks song. Yeah. Not Let's that far. Right. Not that far. Okay. Sparks, we think it's kind of good. I worked quite hard on it and so did Ian and Nina. Um, so, uh, the, no, I was going to ask about the New Yorker offices because I'm really fascinated by, sure. but I'm sad that it's not in the original office, offices, obviously, because it would be kind of neat if you're in the same place as, yep. you know, William Sean and the founding, Harold Ross, the founding editor okay, of New but, Yorker. But that would be kind of neat. But obviously, places have to move and change and et cetera, et cetera. That's the thing. It's like you could say this is in the same place, but it's not in the same place. Yeah. Even if it was in the same place, uh, Times Square has changed. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. You yeah. know. So when you go in, though, so they have like – they have Thurber, Thurber uh, drawings on, on – They do. Do they have other artists? Do they have like Peter Arno or Charles Adams or – um, or is it just some, okay. just some on, the, on the walls, there are original uh, cartoons. Okay. You know, uh, constantly they're there. Yeah, and yeah. also c- covers, original covers are uh, on wow. all the walls. It's wow. very beautiful. Wow. Wow. They had a Christmas tree made of books. I saw that. That they said was uh, too hard to make to make it again the, the next year. So we're just going to leave it up all year long. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah. And then they had just amazing stacks of books uh, that they said that we could take books yeah, if we wanted yeah. i don't know if i should say that but they said that um <laughs> maybe they did maybe they didn't maybe they didn't say that yeah, i don't know uh that we saw the research department which was so great because it's just bunches of people speaking different languages checking up on things oh really fact checking like on phone yeah they fact check things like crazy because oh, everything wow. has to be fact checked. yeah yeah everything yeah cartoons have to be fact checked things have to be fact checked really yeah you can't like lay out like a, you can't have a joke in a cartoon that is like a fake fact if it sounds like something that could be real. Oh, like if okay. it's absurd, of yeah, course. Yeah, but fine. if it's something that, you know, you, if you got a flag of a uh, country or something and it's got to be the right if flag. If you had like, the Albanian flag in your yeah. in your cartoon. They take that stuff seriously. Yeah, and you had the Latvian flag. Yeah, Forget that's about right. it. Yeah, it doesn't make the joke. It makes the joke funnier, but it's uh, not accurate, so you can't have it. <laughs> and, and yeah, the uh, so it, it basically goes around the building in a square. Okay. And then in the center, in the center part, they have like... Uh, Again, more research departments and kind of a library situation. Uh-huh. And then on the the far wall, it's uh, just giant windows that you can see out of. And it's just a beautiful view of New York that you can't believe how gorgeous it is. Wow. And then, like, all these people working, sitting straight up and proper and, you know, of all ages. And it just, like, it looks like the New Yorker offices should look. And mm. they're, they're being the New Yorker, by yeah. God. Yeah. And it was very, it was, it was great. 
And I'm not going to tell you on the air the compliment they gave Pia, uh, but uh, it was a compliment that was just stunning. Well, why didn't you tell me before earlier? I will. I will tell you. I uh, will tell you off air because it's embarrassing to say on the air. Okay, that's fine. She would go. How dare you say that on the air? <laughs> why? Because uh, she would. Really? Okay. So I'm going to respect that and sure. not say it. But let's just say she was given quite a good compliment. That's very nice. Yes. Uh, Which was a thrill to her because uh, doing these cartoons together, I, I write a lot of them and she draws them and we mm-hmm. jam on them, mm-hmm. uh, was something that sort of came out of nowhere for us and has been a really neat experience. And she's, she's you know, you've got that kind of feeling of like, well, I don't belong here. And it was just, it was so nice <laughs> and welcoming how they went, yeah, you do. Yeah. And then you just see that you're part of this big history. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, you're just this part right now. Sure. And then things will go on and other people will do them in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's just so interesting to be part of that. And then we went to a, another thing, the Society of Illustrators, where they had a gallery show of all these uh, women New Yorker cartoonists. And, again, that was just so great for seeing, like, oh, yeah, just part of this. You're just part of something. It just felt very neat. Yeah. I'm sad that I can only name a few old ones. I don't really know that. But new mm-hmm. ones besides Roz Chast. I don't know, like, a, a lot. I'm Pia Guerra, obviously. Yeah. Uh, like, I'd say Helen Hokinson, who was there from, almost from you, the beginning. You know more than I do, and for And Mary sure. Petty. Yeah. But I I wouldn't be able to... And what's interesting, like, when I first started to explore the world of New Yorker cartoons when I was in college, I discovered a book, 25 years of... The first 25 years of The New Yorker, which really blew my mind, uh, on New Yorker cartoons. It was... Uh, I was surprised to discover that a lot of the car- cartoonists didn't write and draw the cartoons. Mm. That they used gag writers and then they illustrated them oh is that right and that's and that was a lot of them like like george uh george booth is it or george price george price i guess okay uh who is a well very well-known artist for a long time yeah he always had a writer um eb white did a lot of writing he wrote the famous one i say it's spinach and i said hell yeah. with it that was an eb Wright joke that someone else illustrated uh, helen hokinson had a who do, did cartoons almost entirely about sort of matronly uh sort of you know suburban uh women uh, you know, sort of upper class or middle, you know, upper middle class yeah. women, uh, exploring this, their world. Almost all of them are written by a guy, a gag writer, mm-hmm. wrote them for her to draw, but she brought her own peculiar take to them. And yeah, so it was, it was, I was surprised by that because, you know, I grew up with, with newspaper cartoon and stuff like that who did their own gags, you know, like a Johnny Hart or Charles Schultz and stuff like that, you know, that, and so it was weird to go, I guess that's okay. Yeah. That they didn't, they just were good artists, so they, Provided them with copy to to illustrate. I uh, I don't uh, I don't get a credit in the New Yorker, and, and P has talked to me about that. Uh, we've had, we've discussed it, and I don't want one because um, I think we I think we work together to make something, and then when when her name is on that thing, uh, it feels like if we get into you know split credit, yeah, it, it's almost like and the way I've described it to her is. It's like it's like explaining a magic trick, mm-hmm. and the more you talk about it, the less magic it becomes, okay. and it just becomes this thing. Yeah, it's like you know she even doesn't she doesn't even really sign her name; she just signs like initials. Um, but it's like yeah, just enjoy it for what it is, mm-hmm. and that's what it is, and yeah. that's all that it matters, and that's great. And I and I like that her I like that her name's on it. But yeah, to to go like well, sometimes I write this bit, and sometimes we jam on this, and this part she wrote, and this part I wrote, and then I had an idea for a thing in the background. <laughs> it's like well then. Is it funnier now that you know that, or is it just it's a thing? Mm-hmm. It's just look at the finished thing. There it is. Are there are there a lot of split credits in the New Yorker for? Not that I'm aware of. No. Yeah, because see, like people, and maybe there is. Yeah, you know, uh, like I only men- know about these writers working with the artists because I've read, yeah. you know, things about them. It just makes it simpler. Yeah, you know, because 
I guess to the New Yorker's mind, Helen Hokinson's was the finished product. You know, she's the one who chose what she wanted to draw. Yeah. And created this image out of the, out of the. It doesn't feel like a Jim Davis, uh, thing where, you know, uh, he signs everything and, and, uh, you know, a lot of people write Garfield. You yeah. Know, it's just, it just, it just feels different. It yeah. feels, it feels yeah. fine. Uh, I do like other anonymous things. Like I do, uh, I do mad tweets and sure. uh, we don't sign our names to those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, I usually have like one or two a day of those that are that are, that are out there, and I'm and I'm fine with that as well. If people ask, yeah, great. If I'm writing a resume up or I've got like a, a credits in like a festival or something, I'll I'll list I'll list it. I'll do the same thing with the New Yorker stuff in, in yeah. festivals or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I, but you do other things completely anonymously, anonymously, and which I find incredibly pleasing that you do that. Like so, you help friends with plays and stuff like that by contributing jokes to and stuff for them yeah one of them just demanded that i put my name in the credits so i've got to do that <laughs> i gotta actually write that up tonight uh so I'm, i can't say that one i did i wrote stuff for a one uh one woman sex in the city show that's opening in new york in a week and a half oh i thought you were joking about that i forgot that that was a real thing no that's I... a real thing and the yeah. weird thing was like i didn't know <laughs> it's at the jerry orbach theater yeah yeah you know you you posted the picture of it and you mentioned it and i was just like haha good joke ian then it, now you remind me that we were talking about this no, before. No, no, it's actually yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's I, was, funny. I thought I was going to be in town for it. And I was like, yeah. again, it, it, this is where it all gets so surreal. It's yeah, like yeah. that, you know, my wife's going to her TV pilot taping. And <laughs> I'm going to, I might go to my off-Broadway show. Oh, yeah. by the way, she's also showing the cartoon we did together in this gallery. Yeah. Oh, we're going to go visit the New York. And this all feels you, like. Do you know what this blah, means? Blah, 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 no, 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 blah. no, no, no. You know what this means, sir. What's that? You have almost completed your 10,000 hours. Oh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah. Of, but me- of community service. That's right. But meanwhile, you know, you, you're, you're doing all this stuff and it feels like, oh, that's really nice and that's all, all good and fun. And it is good and fun. But the but the meat and potatoes of your day is actually making stuff yeah. and dealing with normal stuff. And like right now, uh, you know, as I've said on the show, uh, we uh, we just got like told that uh, the house we're renting is going to be torn down. Sure. So we're like, oh, we got to think of a place to live in. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, for all this stuff, we don't really know if anything's going to, you know, re- like I don't know how well Spark stole- has sold. Yeah. I don't we don't know if like the TV pilot that we went to see At is going to take off. two copies to my knowledge. There we go. Uh, I don't know how Exorcisters is going to do. I mm-hmm. do. He has got a book co- coming out called Me, the People of Our Editorial Cartoons. I don't yeah. know how that's going to do. We've got a lot of stuff, but we have nothing that's set. So we've got to <laughs> move and we've got to do an do a guess of what we can afford to live in Uh, and that's really a real big trick yeah and then when we were on the on 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 the first day of our trip uh we got a call from the vet uh saying that uh this little bump on my cat's shoulder was uh was was a cancer that wasn't something to worry about too much but it could get infected and could spread so we went like, let's get that off him like right away. Sure, sure. So yeah, we had this like ugh, vet bill. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we were again, we we're in, we we're in like New York, and that was like most of our thoughts while we we're doing all this other stuff is like, yeah. is our cat okay? Our cat's sure. going into surgery. Yeah, yeah. Without without us, and like yeah. ugh, uh-huh. but so far so good with that. So it's this weird balance where it feels like on the surface you're saying all this stuff is going on, but then you know, yeah, but we're just looking for a house and we're making sure our cat's okay. Yeah, and that's. That feels like what we really are. And this other stuff is like, oh, this is neat. And it's fun. It's interesting. And we're seeing all this incredible stuff. And I could name drop. Uh, but And it would sound like, ooh. But it's... <laughs> the real stuff is the home stuff and the and the, and the, sure. and the stuff stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, nah, nah, nah. I guess that's what keeps us grounded. You know, 
because you know we do we, we don't make any money <laughs> so it's easy to stay grounded yeah if you made tons of money it's easy to kind of float away from things it's it's weird like when we're, we're, whenever we're talking about like buying a house and you're tweeting about pizzagate there you are uh when you're uh i've i've done that um <laughs> when you when you when you're thinking about like buying a house in vancouver it like literally comes down to how many tv shows would we have to have how many yeah. tv shows yeah like we would have to have at least two mm. at least two yeah going at least two years each and like then it's possible sure you know I look at like friends of ours that you know have a house and uh, and like okay so how many seasons of their show? they had three seasons of an animated mm. series they also they also bought before the before the goal rush yeah it was still pretty it was still high it was still but it high wasn't but crazy it wasn't, high. It wasn't crazy and, you know and it's like okay how'd my other friends do it they had eight seasons of their TV show and now it's going <laughs> into an animated series so that's two yeah. TVs all right okay here we go how many shows gotta make some more shows that's gotta eight make... seasons of Canadian television that's that's a different thing. Yeah, though it was like the most successful Canadian television. Like those big bang guys. They're just rolling around. Well, this is the weird thing. This is also the weird thing. Is like when you're going and doing all this stuff and you're meeting all these people and you're like, oh, yeah, right. They're all millionaires. (laughs) (laughs) Like you feel a little bad sometimes where like, you know, you're going out for dinner and they're covering it or like, you know, oh, I'll get you. I'll get you an Uber uh, Uber home from this. And like, oh, I don't want them to have to pay for the. Oh, right. They produced crazy rich Asians. <laughs> they can afford the Uber home. Okay, fine. Okay, good. Sounds good. Let's go, uh, let's go do that. Yeah. That'll be fine. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a stratosphere that I, I've never existed in. But I'll tell you this about all those people that, like, if I did a name drop, the, um, you know, I'll even drop one name right here where I'll just go, like, you know, work for many, many years for Matt Groening, and every time I met him, uh, it was like, yeah, he's nervous about something. Yeah. Something going on. Sure. You think like, well, now you get relaxed, right? Nope. <laughs> nope. Starting a new show. Yeah. Now it's starting a new show and there's yeah. more anxiety. Yeah. Yep. There was like, you know, uh, I went, I went to his, uh, office once and, uh, months before I had sent him a, a, a videotape of my sketch comedy show. Okay. And, uh, presumptuous. Presu- oh, so presumptuous. Oh, yeah, that was the name of the best. show. That's right. It was. It's called <laughs> presumptuous. But it was like, yeah, kind of a best of tape and yeah, what, yeah. whatever. And so we go into his office and it's sitting on did his desk. Did it have space hole? I think it had space hole. Oh, there, good, yeah. good. And so it was sitting on his desk. Yeah. And so we're going in and we're, it was me and my wife and we were talking to him and she'd just like gotten some work on another comic that Bongo was doing, uh, Bongo Comics was doing. And I thought it was on his desk and I was like, oh, that's nice. He put it on his desk. And I went like, oh, hey, that's cool. You got the, you got that there. And he, he looked over and it was like, it had been on his desk for months. Oh, okay. He had just never gotten around to looking at oh, okay. it. And it just happened to be on his desk, predominantly as something he hadn't looked at. Yeah. And when he saw it, he was like, oh, yeah, I was going to watch that tonight. And just like <laughs> took it off his desk and put it, put it in his bag. And I was like, oh, you're embarrassed by that. Well, that's adorable yeah, and yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But like, yeah, anyone that you talk to, they're just concerned with getting the next thing sure. done and doing their own thing. And what I'm saying is this shit never ends. <laughs> Doesn't matter what level you're at. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. I just want to have enough money for us to have a, a place to live that we can be comfortable in. Yeah. Uh, with no bugs. And, nice. uh, and, uh, and if, uh, someone... Ian is very worried about government spying everyone. Yeah. And if someone gets sick, including pets, that mm. we can take care of it. Sure. And, yeah. uh, and then that's fine. That's, that's what I, that's what I like. That's fair. So that's, that's the goal right now. Yes. Yeah. All I want is to win the lottery and, <laughs> not really. I mean, I do, but it's not something I'm betting on. It's not my retirement plan. Let me put it that way. I have no retirement plans, is what I'm trying to say. 
Freedom 95. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm banking on. Yeah, retirement seems weird. Seems like a thing that like almost seems like from the past. Just like that kind of retirement. Mm. That kind of like 65, well, you know, You know what? It would be nice to have 10 hours of the day back. Yeah. I'll say that. I'll hear you. For hear retirement. <laughs> because for you, and I don't want to say that your work isn't your job and the mm-hmm. job isn't a drag, because it is, and it's a lot of hard work. It's a slog. I wouldn't say it's a drag, but it is hard work, yes. It could be a slog sometimes, though, too. Occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where you just have to push yourself to get something done. And you're just Fruit. like, ugh. But I got to do it. Yep. It's same for me. I got to get up in the morning and I got to go to work. I mean, I enjoy it. I never, like, regret my life or resent what I do or anything like that because that would be insane. And why would you want to live that way? Because, okay. you know, it'd just be terrible. So make make the most of it. That's my view of things. Sure. But anyway... um, it would be nice, though, to to not have, have that thing that I do that doesn't matter to me out of my life. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like, doing this show matters to me. I don't treat this show lightly. I seem carefree, but I'm deeply serious about this show. Mm-hmm. I can tell by your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. What was that? Maybe a little fly. But work, I, ha- I care very little about. I mean, I'm completely dedicated to doing my job well. Yep. You know, and no but one, it's not your life. But it's not my life. It's not yeah. something that I, and I'm not like, oh gosh, I'm gonna, I have to retire and leave that job. Oh my gosh, that'd be terrible. No, no, I'd be like, oh, okay, time to move on. But yeah, like moving on from this to me would be very difficult. You know, very difficult. Even though I know it's an inevitable thing. Why is that? Ending ending the podcast? Well, it'll evolve into something. Sure, it'll move into whatever the next thing is. Possibly, but still, because you're always going to do something. Change is change is hard. Yes, we'll always do something. That's true. Change is hard, but change... You know what? It's like, if you think like radical, radical change is hard, but you're always going to be changing regardless. That's change. true. No, you're right. You know, as Dave Sim once said, <laughs> the more oh, things... Is he always right? Yeah. The more the more things stay, <laughs> yeah. the more they change the same. Oh. Typical Simeon, Simeon comment. Yep. Maybe that's why he's mad. People call his comment Simeon. What time is it? It is... It is, uh, well, we've been doing this for an hour and 15 minutes. Do you, you want to do top 10 movies? Do I ever? <laughs> I just, I just didn't want to start too early or it's too no, late. No, that sounds fine. Let's do it. Turn this into a. So what's, marathon. what's up with this top 10 movies, David? Well, as you remember. The Oscars I, now uh, have 10 movies. Uh, is that what this is based on? The Oscars now have ten. The Oscars now have too many movies. And they also are going to have that most popular movie. I think that's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. Because I think that what that does is it creates the idea that a popular movie can't be a good movie. Yeah, it also is like the reward for that one is money. We already have a reward. Yeah, we already have your reward for that. Yeah, that one's already well. Yeah, I, f- I feel like the Oscar. It's like it's like a it's like an award for most laid person. Yeah, I don't know if there's a way to fix the Oscars because I think the Oscars have become kind of snobby in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's unfortunate that like a movie, a really really good superhero movie, like say Guardians of the Galaxy. Doesn't doesn't get a look at nope. from from the academy, and it deserves a look at because it's taking issues and treating things, social issues or personal issues, very seriously within a fun format that's very well done. Right, and the same with comedies. You know, you can have a comedy that's very deep and truthful, and if you're just treating it as oh, it doesn't deserve to get an Oscar because it's a comedy, then that's elitist and snobbish. And is there a way of bad. making them like say the Grammys, where a song that's actually popular and enjoyable could win? Is there a way 
like why do you have that for for music yeah we could actually have a very popular artist like yeah. uh win like beyonce or whatever yeah, yeah. and then uh you know why can't you have and sometimes reckon recognize a sort of left field artist like back uh, or whatever and you do yeah. they do for sure yeah. Yeah, that's right and then you have you know you have your spoken word and you have your comedy and you have your weird uh side things and yeah. it's fine see i don't like that they separated uh the animation like feature animation into their own category yeah i think that's sad that there can't be like an, another snow white winning seven oscars sure. i mean winning one oscar and then six or seven small rest, ones yeah. yeah um but i feel like a, and then 10 seems like too many but maybe if you're gonna have 10 oscars and why not have one category that can ha- can encompass all those things here's my theory about the oscars and what i think the oscars should do okay this is my theory sure the oscars try to make themselves modern we have enough modern make yourself <laughs> as old timey as possible yeah make yourself classic keep it old 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 classy old school yeah yeah that's yeah. what you do tuxedos and ties tuxedos and, and ties pretty, pretty ladies and gowns that's right don't Red go carpet. too over the top Red you don't carpet. have to do like i know that they they they've been doing like the parody videos where it's like off the top you'd have a parody of all the movies and it's like i understand that yeah but we have jimmy fallon we have seth myers <laughs> we have all these people who do that already yeah. every night, every night yeah. we don't need that yeah that's great yeah. Find something that you can do that's classy. Yeah. Classy. Sure. Really classy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, do, do a, you know, maybe choose... Uh, don't have Roblo singing to Snow White. Maybe maybe have, choose a genre to honor that year. Sounds great. Or uh, a set of, I don't know, like a film from the past that you want to honor. That's right. Films you that know? have made a difference. Yeah. You know, just like that, that we can, a theme. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a good idea. A theme would be great. And, you know, you have the the host come out and be witty, mm-hmm. but they don't have to tear the institution down. <laughs> That's right. You know, you can be, you yeah. know, you can be you can rival, fun. you can, can have fun, fun yeah. but but you don't have to go, well, this is all pretty stupid, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. Everyone here really cares about what they did. Yeah. Uh, they and they're really looking for it. This is really meaningful to them. This, this really is, matters. This is, this is something that if they win this, they share this with yeah. James Stewart. They share this with... Alfred Hitchcock. They share this with right. Humphrey Bogart. I don't know if these we don't. We don't have to names, say you know that they what they that you know we don't have to insult them. Yeah. Because the audience is watching. Yeah. Wants to relate to them. So if you're insulting them, then yeah. what's that say about them? <laughs> yeah. Like they yeah. watch a baking show and they want the person who has to make stuff with a goat and bananas and a roll of lifesavers and they're rooting for them, mm-hmm. right? And we don't have to like put them down. Look, these people worked hard. They worked hard. Just. Just do the show. Keep it tight. Uh, make it glamorous. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah, have fun. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, and and yeah, promote the best aspects of filmmaking. Sure. And what's one of the best parts of the night of the Oscars is when they do the role of people who have passed on. And that's always very affecting and, and and nice. And it's done in a respectful way. Right. It's not boring. It's not uninteresting. It's 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 actually quite touching and fun well, to watch. Well, I like I, the little clips. Yeah. And I like the way that they. It's you know it's it's carefully edited so that it has a flow to it and what i feel about that is why not okay that same okay you have reverence for the for those who have passed Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. except sometimes when you interrupt to say how much real estate sucks but uh but but that kind of reverence you have always room for opinions and again i'm all for a sense of humor and and doing things you know with a with a good a good a good time that's what i but like 
that same kind of like aw feeling about like that you see when oh they did their they did these really nice things in yeah. movies and I love movies. Yeah, uh, is that a way to carry that to the rest of the show? Sure, I agree with you. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. I mean th- that's interesting. Why can't other parts of that show then, have that same spirit? Dave, and... what I'm going to say to you is, mm-hmm. why don't we celebrate ten movies right now? Sure. Do you happen to have ten that we could like I randomly 10, talk about? I have ten movies right now. All right. So if if you remember, to a couple of weeks ago we uh, talked about. Britney's list of her favorite movies. Right. And by the way, her favorite film on the list, uh, which was um, Eighth Grade. Yes. On which I accused her of uh, maybe having uh, what uh, our correspondent here, Liam, called a recency bias. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I went and saw Eighth Grade okay. a day after we did the show, and I loved it. Yeah, I loved I it. I absolutely too. loved it. And I bawled my eyes out near the end of the film. Uh, a sequence of the film. I had tears streaming down my face. Uh, it was a very affecting movie. If maybe it affected me more, I don't know, or maybe less. I don't know. I I don't I don't know. As a father of two daughters, there's a certain connection you feel to that father. You know, I had a wife that the girls had a mother to be with them in the film. The girl doesn't have a mother, so it's a bit of a different situation for her in that film. Right. But uh, it's um, very good film. Uh, Lisa didn't like it that much she thought, life, yeah. thought it was very it was too raw and a little too bleak where whereas i felt there was like a message of hope in the film yeah, I found it hopeful as well. I, and i thought that you know that she seemed to have a kind of self-realization in it that that was very important for her not only just self-realization but a sense of perspective mm-hmm. that she brought to her to her what her new experiences were going to be and i really thought that film you know, maybe she's wiser than her years or whatever in a way that's unrealistic for an eighth grade or a person going into ninth grade would be. But still, well, you have when you watch a movie really like that. super wise revelation yeah. after all that time. Yeah. I feel, I feel there's an American thing where American movies, for the most part, want to be about winning. And, and Canadian yes. movies, when you see Canadian movies, they're about getting through it, mm-hmm. getting through a thing. Same with European movies. Mm. Um, and, and dealing with whatever it is. Yeah. And how are you going to deal with it? Yeah. And I felt it was a very European slash Canadian movie as a pair sure. uh, to an American movie where you kept waiting for a scene where like, here's the comeuppance. Yeah. Here's the twist. Oh, here's going to be the really bad thing. But it's not. It was just consistent yeah consistent but like new thing but it was a scary movie for sure because it was all stuff happening that was like oh you're really feeling you're really feeling this doesn't really matter but it really really matters there were scary scenes in it for me but the scary scenes were like the obviously scary scenes in the movie i didn't find the social situations as scary Mm -hmm. maybe because i don't find those situations as scary so i don't i don't react to them that way like so you know i'm like oh yeah i've been in that awkward situation yeah It's, it's terrible but it's survivable, you know. But this situation, this could be very bad. Ooh. Yeah. Escape. Escape? Yeah. I, was, I, I, I wanted to scream <laughs> at the screen a couple of times. Anyway, let us know what you thought of the movie you've seen. Okay, so what are yeah. who, whose movies are we looking at? Anyway, time? I was just going to say that Brittany was, was right. Yep. Right? So Hang on. Good on you. Uh, so this is from Liam. Hi, Liam. And uh, so maybe people missed that. We didn't really talk about it on the show, but and as, as an add-on, when I when I posted the show on the, on the, the website – uh, sneakydragon.com. I put a little thing that said, if you have a top 10 list of movies we'd like, you'd like us to discuss, yeah. feel free to send us in. And I gave some contacts, Twitter, our email, our, uh, comments board and stuff like that. And so Liam wrote in our comments board and he sent us his top 10 movies. So thank you, Liam. Super appreciated. I love when people have this sort of list. Mm-hmm. Mine, my top 10 list, I can't even remember what it was anymore. So, um, now Liam has some classics and he has some newics. All right. As they're called by me. Uh, 
So some of these I have not seen. And I don't know if you've seen them, but if you have or haven't, right, let's go. we can comment. Some I've seen a little bit of, because I find the problem with Netflix is that you can turn turn it off. You know what I mean? Are there any TV shows you're not allowed to turn off? Well, oh, but if like you're in a movie theater, I understood. You have to walk. You have to walk it out of the theater. It is harder to do. Which you know, and you're sitting there, and if you're entertained by it, yeah. but but at home, when and there's you like also a, bought that popcorn, you got to get yeah. through it. But if there's a lull in a movie at home, you feel less guilty about turning it off. You're like, well, I better go mow the lawn. I'll come back and watch this in a bit. Sure. So you turn it off, go mow the lawn. Then you come back inside, and your daughter's watching TV. Right. So like, well, so I if you're watching, guess I can't watch. If you're it watching now. a movie in a theater, it's harder to go off and mow the lawn. Yeah. Because they ask you to stop mowing the lawn around the theater, sir. Yeah. 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 Understood. So, so Liam's first, oh, we're going to go from 10 to 1, by the way. I don't All know, right. I'm going to pretend that that's how his list flows. All right. Uh, so the first film is a very new film, uh, called The Florida Project. Do you know that movie? No, I have not seen that yet. Mm. I know uh, my sister-in-law saw it and I believe liked it. Yeah. I saw, once again, it's a movie that I saw two thirds of and then my, my wife had to go to bed. So we turned it off and then we never got back to it, unfortunately. Uh, but it is a very good film and it has, um, uh, Willem Dafoe in it as a, as a, the manager, hotel manager of a kind of rundown old resort hotel in, in Florida. Uh, and I assume they're near Disneyland, so it might be Orlando. Okay. And, but this, this hotel it basically has sort of long-term residents in it. A lot of people like single moms, people who, you know, maybe aren't making the best life choices, but the film kind of concentrates on the children of these, of these people. Okay. And so it has that, and I haven't seen it all, so I don't want to say much, but it has that capacity for heartbreak that is so hard to keep watching for me. If I was in a theater, yeah. I would just sit there and grin and bear it. Take it. Take it. Take it like I took eighth grade. <laughs> but when it's on television and you can just reach over and go, you know what? Oh, Lisa went to bed. I don't need to see the end. I will watch this together later. Uh, so yeah, I don't really know how it ends, but it certainly has a magical feeling to it that's that has this weird, like, so it's a weird kind of grounded in reality movie, but with the magical view of the children who are living in right. this world, where their experiences of it are not our experiences of it, even yeah. though we're going through it together with them, that we're seeing their their point of view of the world. We we know that their understanding of it is a lot different than our understanding of it. You oh, know? That sounds good. And it really is quite interesting. All right. He did a movie called Tangerine. Do you know that film? Uh, that was one that was shot on an shot iPhone. Shot on an iPhone, yeah. It's a very good movie. Cool. Yeah. Uh, his number nine is uh i thought the movie was called number nine like damn i haven't heard that one either okay go ahead i said number nine is that one about the little characters right the little kind of creatures it's like a oh computer animated one nine that's it's right nine. yeah but that's not what the, his okay good but that's not a bad movie what if we all just tangent on <laughs> uh this was mother with an exclamation oh okay mark, jennifer yep, lawrence right. uh, uh yeah uh, that guy javier bardem yeah that's correct yeah uh film and ed harris is in it and Michelle Pfeiffer. I've read, I've read a lot about it. Again, uh, my sister-in-law saw it and really liked the visuals on it. Uh, it looked uh, like something I don't want to put in my head. Once again, it's it's um. And I feel bad about that. I didn't see it. I haven't seen it all. I watched part of it, and then oh, okay. I, I once again, I if I sit in the afternoon to watch something, I start feeling really guilty. Really, <laughs> I feel so guilty that I'm not doing something like constructive in quotation marks, like mowing the lawn, doing laundry, washing bathrooms, cleaning floors, or whatever. Uh, or out in the shop doing something that I just, I start to get so guilty feeling I can never like, so I couldn't get through it. And Lisa will not watch it with me because it, yeah. it's elicited as horror on yeah. the Netflix descriptor. But it's interesting because it is, a, it's like obvious, almost in your face, biblical allegory yeah. of Adam and Eve, of God, of the, 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 you know, of the, the tree of knowledge, of 
Cain and Abel of the flood. Um, now, why well, I turned the film off, Jennifer Lawrence was was pregnant, so I was like, oh, is this the Christ part of the, this uh, parable? Is that where we're moving so quickly? There's no David part of it, so we're going to go this street. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting film in that I have, sense. I have read a lot about it, and I know the plot. But okay. I know, I, yeah. I know pretty much everything about it. And I, I my, pro- my problem is, like, when I have horrific images, I, they don't go away okay. in my head. Like, what, they're in there, and they're in there forever, mm. and they don't fade. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so I got to be careful what I put in there. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, it seems quite good. I'll, I'll, I will finish but it. Good, so. good for an experimental film, uh, trying big ideas. Well, Darren Aronofsky, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's not like, not like he's a small time filmmaker. He did Black Swan and. Yep. Requiem but still, for a again, dream big ideas, and, yeah, different ideas. Is. I think he also did Noah, didn't he? Which wasn't a big success. No, that was, well, that was a weird one, man. The, I did not those, see it. Oh, those rock creatures were very weird. Well, there's rock creatures? There's just living rock creatures that just show up. Yeah. That's odd. It is odd. But again, it's a Darren Aronofsky film, yeah. so yeah, you're gonna have some weird in it. I wonder if he's drawing from different uh, flood traditions of that of that region, because there are lots of different stories. Because um, there's also the uh, I can't remember the name of the character, but there's another like a Babel- Babylonian uh, flood myth, Gilgamesh. Okay, right, that has the flood in it as well. It's and it's sort of based in the same period, so it kind of draws on a similar a similar folk tradition. But and I, and I've not read it, so I wonder if those if that movie incorporated elements of that into it. I'd be interested to know that. Uh, number eight. This is a film that is really enjoyable once, okay. but I don't know if I would ever enjoy it again. And that's Inglorious Bastards. Okay, yeah. I don't think I'd see that a second time, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, that was int- that that was an interesting film. Uh, Mike Myers is in that. Isn't that weird yes. that Mike Myers is in that? Yeah, playing a very Mike Myersy character, a British colonel. Yeah, uh, heavily made up British Colonel, so it's hard to recognize Mike Myers in the role. Yeah, which it once, seems to be what he wants now. From a, and from once a you realize where they're going with it, you're like, yeah, why not? Mm. You know, you're a film. You can go places that yeah. reality doesn't go. Sure, sure. You, know, you think, oh, you're bound to the world we live in. Nope, just do the just do the thing you want. Uh, there we go. It, I mean, the guy Tarantino likes a revenge movie. And sure if you want to know... This wh- is like the ultimate. Yeah, it's like Anne Frank yeah. survives and sure. gets revenge. Yeah, all right. That is the best revenge movie idea I can think of. Good for you. Go for it. It's it's an interesting film to me, too, because Christoph Waltz is so good in that movie. Mm. So absolutely spot-on perfect in that film. Just note perfect from beginning to end. In no other film that I've seen him in have I ever enjoyed him in that movie. No. It's yeah. weird. I don't didn't like him in. Uh, well, I didn't really enjoy the movie that much. But um, Big Eyes, he was okay. But I didn't like a, Big. See, I didn't like him in Big Eyes because yeah. I couldn't see any charisma there that would make mm. me understand how he could, you know, bring his wife along on this uh, into his into his scam. You but, know. But I'm going to say this to you. Uh, so almost every Quentin Tarantino movie, you will have a actor like a John Travolta. Yeah. Or you'll get the fellow from Jackie Brown. Sorry, Robert. Uh, you know what I'm talking about the character. Yes, actor? I do know Robert Forster. Forster, or you'll get yeah, and this Christopher Waltz, and you'll you'll see them and go like, oh man, are they good? They are so good that I'm going to see them in five movies in the next two years, <laughs> and they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, they won't hit the furniture. But even but even uh, what's the next uh, Django uh, Unchained? Yeah, Django Unchained. So I don't really like him in that film either. I don't think he's right no, no. for that character. No, Jamie Fox though is really good in that in a way that. Okay. In a way that you're not yeah. going to like Jamie Foxx in another movie for another five years. You will okay. never go like, oh, yeah. I was as good as... Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really like that film very much, so I, I don't have like That's a okay. lot of lot of fond elements of that movie to me. But um, but Inglourious Bastards, yeah. I mean, the, the opening sequence, that long monologue or long duologue between yeah. the farmer and, and Christoph Waltz is fantastic. The 
the theater sequence, the 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 final mm-hmm. the final revenge on Christopher Waltz's characters at the, at the end of the film is, is those are all they're all great. The the pub the pub sequence where the character accidentally gives away yeah by re- raising the wrong two fingers in the and giving away who that his nationality yeah uh, which is a wonderful touch because that was a real problem for yeah. spies who went there who then used forks wrong or used yeah. you know and stuff you know uh, yeah it's amazing. I was actually listening to um. This is, a, I think this was also, I hate to keep bringing him up, but this was also a, a, um, I'm pretty sure this, sorry, I'm pretty sure this was a, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Okay, you've given me no context for. We were talking it? about him before. Malcolm Gladwell. Okay, good. It was on, it was on his podcast. Sorry, I keep bringing it up. Dave, what, what name did I write down on this card? Oh, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. I got it right. <laughs> I got it right. <laughs> this was your card, Dave. <laughs> it was my card. He, he was talking about this, uh, person who was, he was a German uh, German Jew. His family left Germany when things got hot. They ha- were wise enough to leave. And they went to England for a while. Then they moved to, to New York. And then during the war, he went back into Germany as a spy. But because he'd grown up there, he could he could fit in more easily than, say, an American who could speak very good German right. but hadn't lived there, who didn't know how to use a knife and fork in a, in a continental way, Correct. for instance, or cross their legs the wrong way. Things like mm-hmm. that. Slight things that would give you away as someone who wasn't from that place. Uh, and so, yeah, he was a spy that there he went, he was, I think he did four different tours as a spy in the, in that, and it was quite, quite interesting. Uh, and then he, he was one of the first into Dachau, first to liberate Dachau and, uh, find the horror there. And what always stuck in his mind was that it, there was a, there was a, a watchtower, like a guard's tower, and then it was just some, uh, taped up pictures of the guard's children and, and wife and children. You know, so it's just like a day at work where you have your yeah. kids' pictures up and stuff like that in the middle of this horror, which is so yeah. weird that we can do that. But then he became a, a sports clothes designer after that in New York and was a, kind of ha- lived a very uh, high, you know, upper, you know, sort of upper middle class life and had a lot of money and did very well. And then the kind of the real surprise to me was that this character's children uh, wrote and directed American Pie. And I was like, wow. That is a weird, weird journey. <laughs> that is a weird connection journey. It. I do love that. That's great. But anyway, okay, let's get back to Liam's list. Enough of me. Uh, number seven mm-hmm. is an interesting choice to me. Uh, horse feathers. Oh. And this is the one he puts in brackets, recency bias. So I assume, Liam, that you're listening to full marks and watching the movies with us. Okay. And that that one really tickled your fancy, which is interesting because in a, after seeing Monkey Business for us, horse feathers left, left us a little cold, I think. I think we felt like it was a movie that... That wasn't the equal to Monkey Business. Mm-hmm. And to me, it isn't the equal of Duck Soup. It kind of falls in between the two of them in a weird way. Even though I love it, I think it's a great movie, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's not, it wouldn't be a movie that I would choose. If, like I was saying to someone, you've got to see Blah. Right. If, you know, if I wanted them to see like the best movie I would, I would film. probably, I would you, probably point them towards Night of the Opera. You go room point. service, obviously. Yeah, that's right. I would, yeah. <laughs> but Horse Feathers is. If they didn't need to be excited much, if they were like, you know, I didn't think, want their heart to go too, too, too much. Thinking about horse feathers, I think if you, if you're going to like defend the idea, which I will, of the idea of, of absolutely almost a plotless, dreamlike, uh, you know, madcap, zany thing, I can't even call it a farce because there's not, there's not, they're not, there's no farce to it. Their, their university doesn't exist. So there's nothing, they're okay. not, it's not a satire in university life because that does life. It'd be like, it'd be it's like a, saying Archie is a satire of American. Well, a farce isn't necessarily satire. 
a farce or like a bedroom farce is just running around and like a, a bunch I of guess characters. it has a little bit of that with the Thelma Todd character. Hmm. But even that is like I can see it being a farce. It's, it's so like it's anti-farce almost because the oh. the whole sequence is basically but, them all together in the room at the same time. Yeah. There's no no people leaving and coming back in again. They're, they're should, all We should mention by the way like uh, that uh, when you're talking about that we've we've seen it recently, it's because we're doing another podcast right now called Full Marks. Yeah. Where we're going through every Marx Brothers movie. So, yeah, we did just recently see this movie ourselves. Yeah, yeah. For, 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 for that reason. And then maybe you also researched the heck out of it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, that's uh, it's, I could see, I could see I could see what you're thinking there, but yeah, I think we both have other favorite uh, yeah. films. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a it's an enjoyable uh, Marx Brothers movie, absolutely. Okay, this next one and a really good animated horse laughing off the top. <laughs> very uh, very hee haw actually. Is <laughs> the inspiration maybe? Maybe the next choice is a is an interesting choice. I would oh, I would almost say this an is odd your choice. Second interesting choice. In a this row. is an odd choice. All right. To me, this is an odd choice. It's not not one I would. I've never. I haven't seen it. Odd couple. It's not the odd couple. I have not seen it. Okay. But uh, it's not the odd couple. Yeah, unlike last, unlike Britney's list, this does not contain two Billy Wilder films. Mm. So there's no odd couple. Um, this is Finding Dory, the Pixar. Yeah. Finding Nemo two, basically. Yeah, I have not seen that. I haven't seen it either because I. I have problems with Pixar sequels. Mm-hmm. You know, I. We have problems I, with sequels in general. A little bit, yeah. You know, unless you really change the game, and maybe it does. Mm. Like, uh, you got to go for me from Alien to Aliens and okay. change the genre. Or Terminator, you know, Terminator Two, and really change it up. Mm. Um, <laughs> sorry, Gremlins, Gremlins Two, the new batch. No, they do change it up, but no, I did not care for that very much. <laughs> um, yeah, I have not seen it uh, because I feel like. Finding Nemo said it all. Yeah, you know, I, I but uh, but if it's but if it's good, you're telling me it's yeah. good. And it, hey, if it's on TV, I'll uh, I'll check it out. I like Ellen DeGeneres. Well, isn't it on Netflix? It might be. Although I think Disney's pulling their their stuff off Netflix right Eventually, now. Eventually, yeah, not quite yet, okay. but yeah, they will. That makes uh, me sad. But I, I would like to know why specifically that over uh, Finding uh, Nemo. It's like say, it's like uh, you know someone going like Incredibles Two is my favorite movie above. Uh, yeah, Incredibles. yeah, that was that's weird. To, that would be weird to me for sure. Yeah. But you you might have a you might have a, a fine reason. Uh, let us let us know uh, yeah. what it is. Yeah, because I, I I've not seen that one. I'm sorry. I, by the way, I, and I am a really big Ellen DeGeneres fan. I, w- I used to be like a enormous fan of her stand up when mm-hmm. she started doing stand up. Yeah. Uh, like I would watch her on. Uh, she was on like a TV show about real estate. I remember yeah. that. I just liked her stuff so much, uh, and uh, really glad that she's doing so so well now. Um, and uh, yeah, Finding Nemo, I, I, I very much, I very much enjoyed. Uh, was my favorite uh, Pixar movie. That would be, you know, uh, Ratatouille. Then going to The Incredibles. Uh, then going to Up. Uh, hmm. I don't, I don't care for Wall E. And boy, gosh, a lot of people love Wall E. Anyway, so. yeah, I, th- I thought the ending was a little weak. For I like the stuff on the planet. And if they just stuck on Earth, I think I would have liked that yeah. film a lot more. Okay. Once they leave, it gets a little, it gets a little, you know. I get it. I get it. Feeling You're like that I, is when a I movie for me does kind of leave me a bit. Was like when you get to I get it. I see where you're going. It's not going to deviate from this. All right, here we go. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm just looking something up. By the way, if you're, uh, what do you guys think? What's uh, better, uh, Finding Nemo or uh, Finding Dory? Also, doesn't it feel like Finding Dory? It's I don't know. I just don't like the title. Anyway. Um, sorry, everyone. I'm just quickly looking something up here because I was just curious. Yeah. I was just curious about one thing. Uh, okay. Um, 
His next choice is one one you'll like a lot. Okay. Uh, which is uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, which I think is probably your favorite Mission Impossible film. If you're gonna yeah, have to I'd choose say so, one, yeah. Brad Bird's uh, take on it. Not yeah, I'd go, didn't write it, but he did direct I go, it. So. I, I go. Okay, what's the what's the one that came after that? Was it Rogue, Rogue Nation? Rogue Nation. I go. I go number four, then number five, then number one, then number three, then number two. You wouldn't have number six in there. Oh, are we we got to count number six. Why not? Uh, okay, I'm gonna go it's number such four. A good movie. Number. I'm gonna go number four. Yeah. I'm going to go five, then I'm going to go six, then I'm going to one, then I'm going to go three, then I'm going to go two. How about you? That sounds like a good list. Okay. I like it. I, yeah. I'd... I like the, the use of Simon Pegg in it. Mm-hmm. I like uh, I like the action scenes. I like the climbing the, the, the tower in Dubai. Yeah. I like him in prison off the top. I like him doing the silent communication to Simon to Simon what, Pegg. What I like about it, I, I mean, I like all of the films. I even like number two, believe it or not. Yeah, no, number I'm two, fine with number there's two. parts of it where... If my finger was near a fast forward button on the remote, I could push it forward a little I, bit. I think number three is too mean. It takes it takes away I, from me. Uh, number two, okay. I don't think it's too mean. I just think that I think that uh, that um, the actor who's in it, the villain in the film, uh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Sorry. In number two. Number three. Number three. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. He's such a good actor mm-hmm. that he's like he conveys so much evil so easily. That really makes the movie feel like strangely real in a way that most villains don't make a movie feel that real, you know, because there's a certain element of camp to what they yeah. do. But he brings no camp to that role. He is so, so dry, so dryly serious and feels so, so evil and so, so malevolent that yeah. it's really, and, and obviously JJ Abrams was trying to go in a different direction. The first two films, Tom Cruise is kind of a, is kind of a, a guy. He's just like a young guy doing young guy stuff. But number three tries to make him slightly more grounded by having him with a, having a fiance and they're going to get married and this and that and stuff. And it's kind of weird because it's, you don't know if it's a character you can ground the Ethan, the Ethan Hunt character who doesn't really exist anyway because every movie kind of treats him a little differently. Yeah. But there, I, I do like that movie. I mean, you, you, you put it, you put it second to last, did you? The uh, which one number, number three? three yeah. yeah, yeah. Though again, uh, the most recent one I didn't really like either. Now I'm thinking about it. Oh, oh it's tough. That's funny. I really like. I, I really like. I know. Yeah, we've talked about that. I think it's yeah. It's curious to me. Like I feel like that film so so ably summed up the whole series. Like just kind of wrapped it up for you that you could stop there if you wanted. Like if you said, well, we don't need to do any more Mission Impossible, so we don't need any more with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is maybe getting too old to to continue on as Ethan Hunt, and we'll go in a different direction. You could because you've you've kind of created you've kind of created and ended his character arc in a way in that film, um, which I really liked. And I liked how they brought elements back from the past into that into that film, like with the arms dealer being the daughter of Max from the first film, and you know just there's the elements, and of course bringing back uh, Julia, his wife. Um, and just stuff like that, where you feel, you know, it is, it brings a little bit of heart to the film, and you have that ex- extra feeling of yeah. risk and danger, and you understand. I didn't, I didn't like them wrapping up the the wife situation. Whereas I liked it in the in the fourth movie, the one we're talking about yeah. the, for this, where it was like, oh, they know a little bit. They know they got yeah. something. There's yeah. something we don't have to say what it is. Yeah. But I also like that it kind of took romance off the table in the in the movies and let you focus on other stuff. Yeah. Making him not James Bond. Yeah. So he's not. 
having sex and yeah. then having to deal with all this stuff. And sure, the other sure. thing I also liked in the fourth one was uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, that scene where he was having to jump down the tube and was like, yeah. you're not Tom Cruise, yeah, yeah. but you're in a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. You're actually in danger. But he was hired for that film to replace Tom Cruise. Yeah, well, he was going to replace Bourne as well. They but... didn't uh, think that he could, uh, that Tom Cruise could carry the franchise anymore. And Tom Cruise said, well, let me show you what I can do. Yeah. Uh, which also makes that film interesting because he had a, a big weight on his shoulders that he was suddenly expected to carry a franchise. Whereas the other films are just kind of like goofs in between regular movies, mm. almost how they were treated. You know, there was really no, not much attention paid to continuity. There wasn't much attention paid to, you know, continuity of writers or directors or anything. It was just kind of each film has its own style and yeah. its own kind of ideas. And the last two follow, or Fallout, or Rogue Nation of Fallout have had the same director. Same writer, which is the director as well. Yeah. And it did kind of have a continuity to them. But I hope that if they're going to do more, they'll, they'll end that. Cause even though I do like Christopher McQuarrie a lot as a director, and I think he did an excellent job in both those films, that, that, uh, opera sequence in, uh, in Rogue mm-hmm. Nation is so brilliant. Yeah, so that, brilliantly done. Very, very it's good. amazing. And if you take that sequence and kind of parse it out through the rest of the film, you can see what a masterful action director Christopher McQuarrie is. Uh, it's really uh, amazing how well he's able to... Actually, I was listening to an interview with an editor, and they were saying, what's the difference between uh, working... He worked on uh, Fallout, and he also worked on another film. Maybe... I can't remember what it was now, sorry. But he was just saying, Chris McQuarrie, he doesn't like doesn't take like a bunch of different images and then expect you to kind of stitch it together. He choreographs a fight, puts the camera where he wants it, and films what you need. So he constructs a fight yeah. for you to, to edit. And so I, I thought that was interesting. The other guy said, this other film was done in a more Hong Kong style where you have a lot of stuff happening and then you just kind of stitch it all together mm-hmm. and, and try, and try to make it, make sense of it in, in an edit. And I thought, I thought it was interesting. Uh, if any, it's on YouTube, if anyone, if you just say editor of Fallout or whatever and you'll find it. Um, I can't remember the name of the Rossitron is the name of the channel. Okay. And he does, he does kind of action like YouTube action reviews and stuff like that, like talking about action films and stuff. So it's sort of interesting. Nice. But anyway, um, yeah, Ghost Protocol is interesting because it's like they decided, okay, it doesn't work to have him as a grounded character. Let's have him be who Tom Cruise is seen as now, which is a crazy person. Let's have Ethan Hunt be this desperate, crazy person who will do anything to make the mission a success. Anything at all. If that involves driving a car off the edge of a, yeah. in, down into a stacking, weird stacking yeah. uh, parking lot. And hoping the airbag will hoping the airbag will save him. I mean, those Cause, are just Because you see things. that and you're going like, well, I guess that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. A car crashes. Kind of, but, yeah. It's like, how fast does a car go? How fast is falling? But well, I guess also, so. Also, you can get like broken fingers from airbags going off in a car. Oh, absolutely. And broken, bro- but what broken choice face, have you got? The, oh, that's the, the thing. Yeah. The world's at stake, you know what I mean? You gotta do it. And the movie also shows you how close it all comes this to This actually kind of bothered me in the fifth movie where uh, there was a thing where like he had just had his heart stop and he had to like drive mm. a car and Simon Pegg's there and Simon Pegg's going, I'll, I'll drive. Yeah. And Tom Cruise says, no, I'll drive. And I was like, oh, this is a drag because he had Simon Pegg growing as a character from being just the guy but behind. That's, but that's not his role. No, no, but it is because cause here's no. the thing. Yes. Because 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 <laughs> Simon Pegg, yeah. uh, you know, was was the guy behind the computer screen. Mm-hmm. Then he was the guy who wanted to do stuff but never yeah. got a chance to because he could never get the mask or whatever. Then he actually got to do the stuff. Yeah. And it was like, okay, now what's the next level in this? So Tom Cruise there could easily have been like Simon Pegg will be doing the driving, but Tom Cruise will be controlling the driving in some way that isn't 
like just because you've seen Tom Cruise drive a car, you've seen him drive it in all these different ways. That's not new. Mm. What do you got from me? His heart just stopped. Shit. So what's he got to do? He's got to like be next to this guy who's not a great driver. Now there is danger, but he could like yank the wheel every so often or just give him like immediate instructions like Tom Cruise does to him. And he's driving the car yeah. through Simon Pegg. Like, there could have been an interesting I just, just want to say, I think it actually is his first car chase in the Mission Impossible film. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, well. Like if we you go. search back through the movies. Okay. I've seen Tom Cruise drive a car. Yeah. Okay. I've seen him I've drive seen a car. I've seen Thunder. Too. I've driven a car. Very good. But Also uh, Maverick. Which isn't a car, <laughs> but he has play. a need for speed. Because to me, Simon Pegg's roles in the in the movie is he's the person that that reminds us that what we're seeing is crazy. He's the one who says this can't work, or yep. what's what what are we doing? Like, are you okay? Are you okay to drive? Like, what what kind of danger am I putting myself in? And that's kind of his part in the movie. He, that's we need that person who keep, gives the audience perspective, right? To to the stuff that's happening. But I think he also is representative of the audience and that mm-hmm. like if Simon Pegg can do it, you could do it. So you could be part of the team. You can never be part of the team. You could well he <laughs> Alright, there you go. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. You can never be part of the Mission Impossible Force. I couldn't anyway. Well I couldn't tell you if I was. I uh yeah, that's true. Uh this is an interesting choice. Oh, this is the third interesting choice. No, no, choice. I really like this choice. It's his girl Friday, the uh Rosalind Russell Cary Grant. Saw it a very long time ago, so I don't remember it except that I liked it. You know it in this way. They talk really fast. Mm-hmm. They talk really fast in that movie. Is the editor... The been uh, spun at a different speed back then. That's why. Okay. I've seen a lot of... I've seen the front page yep. from that time period. I've seen other movies based in newspaper offices at that time. Is Thomas Mitchell the editor of that paper, or am I getting confused? Oh, that is a Who good played, question. Who played Uncle... Uh, yeah. You're, I don't know from names. I'm sorry. But he played he played the uh, the absent-minded uncle in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Is he is he? I don't know. I can't. I, like I say, I've seen so many movies like that. Everyone sort of blends together. Which which gruff editor was he? I thought you were. Here's the question. I thought you were going to ask. Yeah. What is the fastest talking movie? Oh, Wh- what do you know? You, the, the I don't know. Oh, what is the fastest one? Like where did they peak and then stop? Doing that might that? be it. That one or, or bringing up baby. That's a very fast film as well. There's a lot. Yeah. Catherine Hepburn does not. L- later on, stop uh, Aaron Sorkin <laughs> tried. Yeah. To like, you know, get that kind of yeah. going. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I wonder how thick those scripts were. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Bringing Up Baby. Okay. Cause I think that it's more, I think the more, it's faster talking than that, but, but His Girl Friday is definitely like, it's a neck and neck race. Uh, it's a photo finish, basically. Right. Hey, let's ask uh, you film. nice folks out there. What do you think is the fastest talking movie out there? And don't say that fast talking guy from the commercials when he was in the Transformers movie. No, don't be doing that to me. Okay, go ahead. Play Blur. Okay, go ahead. I believe that's a Howard Hawks film. Hmm. And Howard Hawks is interesting because I use interesting a lot. I'm sorry. Howard Hawks is fascinating. Howard Hawks is a, a curious character in the sense that he he's not a director where you can go this is him like john ford you go westerns albert hitchcock you go thrillers even though he directed other films yeah but howard hawks what do you say i don't know i'm sorry yeah exactly yeah, yeah. because he's all over the place yeah unless he directed bring it baby and i'm getting mixed up over who directed uh his girl friday also say getting... i'd say that about a rob reiner or uh or even a ron howard those are a couple of people in fairly modern times yeah. that do a whole bunch of different styles. That's true. Like uh, Ron Howard, particularly when you when you go, yeah, I know all his movies. I don't need to. I, he did that. Yeah. What he did, Ransom or whatever. Payback yeah. And whatever. by the way, when you, but that is a true thing though for Rob Reiner too. Yeah. Where you'll go like, yeah, I don't care for Rob Reiner. 
How, you like Spinal Tap? Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, it's a Rob Reiner movie. Oh, and you go through all these different movies. Yeah, you ever see Princess Bride? Oh, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's a Rob Reiner movie. I th- I oh, think... yeah, it's weird, though, because you see him now, and you're like, yeah. well, something something happened, and uh, that ran out of gas. But why do you have to be full of gas forever? It's fine. Harry Met Sally? At the time. That was a big movie. At the time. One of my favorite films by him. I've only seen it once, so I I, I should see it again before I make broad recommendations. But uh, The Sure Thing with John Cusack. Yes. I love yeah. that movie when I saw yeah. it. That's a very good film. Ron Howard, Parenthood. That's mm-hmm. that's a weird one. Yes. It's kind of like, oh, you did. Yeah, that's got a scene with uh, with Steve Martin uh, fantasizing about his son uh, being a sniper, shooting people yeah. uh, out from also, a tower. Also features a blowjob into a dumpster. Car driven into a dumpster during a blowjob. Okay. That sounded weird, the way I, the way I short shorted. Certainly did. <laughs> and do you guys it. remember Keanu Reeves was in that? He was. I didn't know that. I can remember Martha Plimpton. What what movie uh, used the uh, okay? So you had the poster, and that was uh, Steve Martin holding uh, the children by the legs. That was the poster for Parenthood. It was. It was. It was Steve Martin holding his children upside down by the legs. Oh. What movie did a parody of that? Where it was the child uh, holding adults by the legs? A child holding adults by the legs. By the way, I have just used a word from the movie in my description. So, honey, I didn't shrink the kids. It was Problem Child. Okay. <laughs> Never saw it. Yep. I saw it and Problem Child 2. Mostly Problem Child 1 because I like Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, oh, man. I feel like a dummy because I think I think uh, Bring Up Babies, Howard Hawks, and Girl Fridays. Right. Someone else. Well, people are going to yell at you online. Don't yell at me online. I tried uh, to com. Go to our message board. SneakyDragon.com. Yell what, at Dave. What did you say? What? I couldn't hear you. I didn't hear that at all. Wish, wish, okay. you, wish you were a little louder. Uh, the next movie, it's an Alfred Hitchcock film. Okay. Guess which one it is. Not Psycho. Not Psycho? Vertigo? Yeah. Not Vertigo. A North by Northwest? <laughs> You're very close, actually, because that's... Uh, I don't want to give it away. Number three, The Birds. Oh, okay. Which is a, a curious movie about female rage. Oh. Yeah. All right. Explain. Okay, when you watch the film, every bird attack takes place after a woman is jealous or angry at another woman. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. And nowadays, uh, women get attacked on Twitter. That's right. Tweets. There you go. <laughs> they get attacked by tweets. Yeah, no, if you watch that film, there's se- sequences where characters get mad at, at say, Tippi Hedren's character. She's she's sort of the catalyst because she's brought there by Rod, whatever his name is, uh, to – what is that guy's name? Anyway, she's brought there by a guy who was in Time time Machine, the Time Machine. Uh, and then she kind of acts – she causes problems between him and his mom mm-hmm. and then him and the character played by Suzanne Plachette, who's the teacher at the school. All right. Where the crow's attack, where the crow attack is, but whenever someone feels jealous of her, their relate of her and the relationship, or gets angry, then the birds attack. Oh wow! So yeah, it's an interesting, uh, strange parallel. Uh, this is just a side note on that. I'm a fan of the TV show Bob's Burgers. They have an episode where you see Bob is scared of pigeons. There's okay. a pigeon in the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And finally, he explains like why. It's like oh, I had this thing where I walked into this room and there's these pigeons there, and uh, there's a hole in the ceiling. And the pigeons attack me, and everyone uh, around goes like, "That's the birds." You're imagining <laughs> the birds. Like, no, that was me. That happened to me. Nope. You're imagining yourself as Tippy Hedren. That was the birds. And then they're like, uh, "Let's get the video." And they play the video, and it's like, "Oh my God, I'm Tippy Hedren." <laughs> just remembering that as a childhood memory. And he's not scared of birds anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could well. That's not not impossible though. Lots of people have done that because it's easy to have yeah. to remember things or to create new memories. It's I used to that think hard. that my dad cut off my hand when we had a big fight, and then I fell down a tube, and then I had a crush on my sister. And it turned out that was Star Wars. Oh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
The first tip should have been uh, that I had both my hands. Well, you thought it, you said. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I knew that your thinking was wrong, but I didn't want to correct you. I wanted to see where you're going with your story. Because I'm a polite listener, unlike some people here. <laughs> Number two. Mm. In with a bullet and a sword and a knife and... Deadpool? A gun. Did I say gun? Yeah, gun. Uh, a bullet. Knife, bullet. Bullet isn't much without Samurai a sword. Okay. Deadpool. Uh, a, a knife. A, a poison. And then finally... The raid? Finally, a, a mystical killing blow. Oh, very good. Okay. Uh, so Kill Bill, is it part one or two or both? Uh, volume two. Volume two. Yeah. Yeah, I got personal reasons why I don't like that movie. <laughs> what is your person? Oh, it's nothing to do with the movie. Nope. So it's just something that was, happened related uh, to it? It happened, uh, yeah, at the, uh, at the time. Yeah, that was just a personal thing that was like really, really bad. Huh. So it ruined, it ruined that movie for me. Yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah, I don't look at things that way, so I, I don't. Uh, mm. But... That movie, I do really like that movie a lot, and it had a lot to live up to because number, the first the first chapter is so good, so amazingly good. Right. Uh, that the fight sequence um, with uh, yeah o- Oren is amazing. The whole this the whole sequence, and then the final the, the the final battle in the snow on on in the outdoors. Is the little girl uh, old enough now to uh, to? Isn't to, that the next movie? To be to be yeah, is she old enough now for the next movie? Um, she must be because it was ninety eight. That movie was okay. Wasn't it ninety ninety nine? I think it was like ninety eight, ninety nine. That movie came out, wasn't it? No, it wouldn't have. Would have been. It would have to have been in the early two thousand. Oh no, you're right. Maybe two thousand four. But yeah, she'd be old enough now. She'd be late teens at, at the very least. All right, let's get at it. Let's get that movie. Made. Isn't that his final film? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he's being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that film's that that chapter is interesting because it goes. Way more broadly than the first one. The first one's pretty narrowly a revenge film. You have the what's, what's opening, which actually happens in the future, but opens the film that the killing of of um, the mum, who's played by I can't remember. Right, I forget her name, but she's very good. Yes, uh, I can't remember her. Let's just say Coppermouth. The killing of Coppermouth, or whatever. Sure. Uh, and then that, and then of course going after Oren Ishii. And then the little bit of like the hospital stuff in it. It's all kind of revenge based yeah. elements. The next film has the revenge element to it, but it has, of course, the, the sucker punch where she ends up in the ground, which is a kind of a terrifying sequence. Yeah. And then her fabulous memory of the, of the monast, you know, being trained, which is great. And then, and then it has the ending of the film, which is just that classic, Tarantino conversational mm. element, which normally starts his movies. His movies normally start with a conversation, but in this case, he ends the film with a conversation. And, uh, I really, really like it. And I never quite, I have an interpretation of the ending and other people have told me that I'm wrong. Oh, what's your interpretation? Well, I feel like in the film, her daughter's in, in the bedroom or the motel room or whatever, and she's in the bathroom and she's crying. And I've, I wonder at the time if she's crying because she had to kill Bill. And even though that she that was the final step of her revenge, it's not a happy step for her. Mm. That that someone that she loved and respected and thought that they had a mutual respect before his betrayal of her. Uh, but that doesn't mean. But even if you're betrayed, it doesn't mean you fall out of love with someone. There's still right. that weird connection. You can feel to two things at once. Yeah. Sure, you can and, mourn the person that you've. Yeah, killed. but other people said no, no. She's so happy to have her daughter mm. that she's in the bathroom crying, and I'm like, well, maybe. 
But why are you in the bathroom crying? Why is your daughter by herself in the, in the bedroom? Well, uh, the, <laughs> because, cartoons? you know, you've had one one emotion yeah. for so long, and now you're allowed the other one, and it's yeah. been so long that it's just... Sure, could be. I mean, that's the thing. He doesn't spell it out for you, so yeah. it's, up, it's up to you to interpret it. You've been it. in a sauna, and you just jumped in the icy yeah. lake, yeah. and you're feeling something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a... I mean, and that's a part of what makes that film so good to me, is that is that leaves it without a definite... You know, something like Inglorious Bastards... You know, they shoot Hitler's face off, and then they carve a swastika in the villain's head, yep. and that movie ends. That's pretty. That's pretty succinctly ended, you know. But uh, Kill Bill Volume Two ends, and to me, on a bit of a question mark. Like, what? What is her emotion in that moment? You yeah. know, and it's it's interesting. I, I would be surprised if she knew what her emotion would be at that moment. Maybe you're right. She's yeah, been so I think you're. I think, this whole time. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know you like the movie because you're uh, ringtone. That went off during this show was <laughs> a true. prelude to it. That's right. The uh, whistling theme that uh, L Driver. Now, was that company's L Driver? She walks through the hospital to. Was that deliver. written for this? Movie? No, it comes from a British exploitation film called Twisted Nerve, uh, and it was composed by um, the same person who did the uh, Psycho okay. theme nice. and uh, composed music for Taxi Driver. And I'm right now, Bernard Herrmann. I was just trying to vamp to get his name in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he did that theme for that movie. And well. uh, was that uh, the Ironside uh, theme also in, in the movie? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Eve. Eve, the other day, uh, well, she, um, let's whisper this a little bit, but on, hey, uh, on Friday, she had to ride at the PE. Right. In, in the, How'd uh, it go? In the three day event. She did well. She did really well. Oh, good on. Um, She's a very good rider. Thank you. She is. And uh, and the horse's name is? It's Harris. Good for Harris. Harris was okay? Harris is great. Good for Harris. He got better and better each day. Oh, um, so, but on Friday, she was working till four. She had to ride at five. The plan had been for me to pick her up and drive her into town, but we realized there's no way that we could do that. Okay. I get off at 2.30, but she was getting off at four. Like, it just went impossible for us to go from Alder Grove at four to the Peony by five so that she could ride. So she rode the horse there. So she, she phoned in sick for work. And uh, so she goes in the next day, uh-huh. and she's telling us the story. She's got her phone at the ready. Right. She goes, I went in the next day, and uh, one of the girls comes up to her and says, Hey, Eve, I saw you at the peony yesterday. And Eve pushes her phone, and you get that. Wow. Yeah. She's like, what? Are you sure it was me? Because a lot of people look like me. Yeah. Well, your dad posted all this stuff about you. <laughs> All these proud videos. I did. We did not. We did not post any videos from Friday. Oh, very good. Because we knew. We knew. Nice. Uh, final film you already guessed. It's a Hitchcock movie. Okay. North Starts by Northeast. North by Northwest. West. Sorry. That's okay. I thought you. I was talking about the prequel. North yeah, by Northeast. That's right. The sequel you hated. North by Northeast. Why, when the movie ended so happily with the train going in a tunnel, did the train have to come out of the tunnel? Uh, that is a really good film. Mm-hmm. I think that there's no better joy in life than the first time you see that movie. <laughs> it is so much and you've, fun. And you've had daughters. Beautiful daughters. It's, There's no better joy in life than watching this movie. I, I mean, in terms of viewing movies, uh, I think this that movie, it flows so well. It tells a great story in such a way that... Did you see it on TV first? Or yeah. Did you see it yeah. in the theater? Okay. I saw it on TV, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, you hear about it. Yeah. You know, you've people go, scenes from it. you should see North by Northwest. You know the crop duster scene. Sure you do. So you're like, okay, I got to watch this movie. You know this giant uh, uh, Ronald Rushmore heads. I never, didn't really know that part about Okay, it. I've seen that parodied a lot. Okay. Um, 
I, you know, but I saw it, I saw it as a teenager, so I saw it kind of pre-parody. Very like, good. But it was pre before the Simpsons and Family Guy and stuff like that. It taught taught us all of pop culture by via osmosis. That okay. now kids now kids know everything, even though they've seen nothing. They know it all. They know all the references. Cause to they... be fair, I knew quite a bit from Mad Magazine. I knew okay. The Godfather before I saw The Godfather. Sure, sure. And to be fair, I have not seen The Godfather two yet. So, I but I know. I don't. It. I don't feel like you. You know. You know a little bit about it, but you don't really know it. Very good. You understand the thing. You don't understand the the wrenching emotional moral part of it. All right. But anyway, uh, enough of my defense of The Godfather two from Mad Magazine. Uh, yeah. The, this, what's interesting about North by North, Northwest? <laughs> the, the screenwriter Ernest Lehman. Uh, who worked on the film. Originally, they were going to do a movie based around a ship, I believe. And I can't remember exactly what the story was now. But someone said to Ernst Lehman, is this the movie that you want to be remembered for? Mm. And he went, you know what? Probably not. So they started. They decided to do something different. And I guess he found this uh, an outline of this movie by a different writer. And so he took the outline and he started to work it up into the, into the movie. But they started shooting while he was still writing. So... He was writing and had no idea where it was going, nor did Hitchcock. They were just constructing the film as they went really quickly because they'd fallen behind because they were working on this, on this original script they decided not to do. So this movie was rushed into production. And so they were, he was pretty much writing it as it went, which I think is the best way to write something, okay. which I'm probably wrong on that. But I think it's just a, a fabulous way to discover what you're writing as sure, you go. Okay. And so a lot of scenes in the film were kind of like, you know, they would get to a point and they're, they're like, well, now what do we do? <laughs> which is what the character's facing too yeah. so the writer's doing what the character's doing which is how do we get out of the situation and so it brings a real urgency to the film uh, the crop duster sequence however was a film later than a lot of other parts of the film so it was sort of added in because they needed something kind of big in that part of the movie and it is a it is a great film it's uh, it's wonderfully shot and really you know, well acted really well acted I mean Cary Grant's fantastic yeah. as always of course but even Marie Saint is yeah, also Cary great yeah Grant's never and... been better and he's been a lot of good but mm-hmm. this, is, this yeah. is the film yeah it's a fantastic film I, I can see why someone would put it at their top film because it's a movie that you can watch many times mm-hmm. and, and enjoy and it's not a movie you get tired of because you know one you of the can't things watch that... the birds that much no because you got it because they're 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 not characters that you like nope the way you like Cary Grant in that movie you know like his his adventure is an accident you know, he is in no way, in any way, yeah. re- you know, involved in any of the things that are happening. He just, by happenstance. And what a scary thought that is. Yes, that you would end up becoming embroiled in this spy situation where they, you know, they try to kill you. And then every from, you know, everything from there becomes yeah. this cat and mouse game. And uh, yeah, it's uh, very well done. So if you haven't seen it, see it. And if you have seen it, see it again. Well, I would say uh, for all, all of these films on this list, except for Finding Dory, uh, that you should see them, and the only reason I don't say that for Finding Dory is I've never, Dory, I've never seen it, so I can't recommend it. Yeah, if you see, if you do find Dory, then see it. So try and find it. <laughs> try and find it. Just try and find it. Yep. Try and find it before Disney starts their uh, streaming channel, and all Disney films disappear into a vacuum behind a paywall that you don't want to pay for. <laughs> yep, that's why you'll be able to get it anyway. Why? Everything, everything why? will be available all the time. Oh, you mean you'll be able to Listen, stream it? I'm just saying, stream it. From It'll be around. Illicit. What what can't you see? Everything you can see. Yeah, You'll right. be able to see it. You're right. Don't worry about it. That's how I... It's all fine. I must must confess that's how I watched Bay of, uh, Bay of Blood. There's no reason to tell me that on the air. There's no reason <laughs> to say these things. <laughs> you can keep it to yourself. Okay. It's all fine. Um, so we're going to wrap up because we've been talking for a million years. But oh, it's been right. a delight yes. to talk to you nice people. Um, and uh, Hey, I'm wrapping up. I know. 
Okay. I'm just wrapping up my own personal okay, thing. Okay, you wrap up. Like, and we, we always appreciate you listening to us. And uh, I was going to say that tender thing. And then, as usual, Dave interrupted me with some real estate um, gossip. Go ahead. <laughs> Take care of business. I had no real estate gossip. Taking care of business. I just want to say that. it's Dave. I just want to say that I, I, I love our listeners even more than Ian does. I, I think you guys are all great. Way more than Ian thinks you're great. Right. Dave's drawing a picture of you right now on his, uh, <laughs> on his little pad. And it is very disturbing. <laughs> my personal life is my personal life. He's looking in for a little tiny window in the drawing. <laughs> Just the top of his head. <laughs> and the tip of a knife. <laughs> Everyone, you can contact us if you choose to via the following methods. You can email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You can write comments on our message board on our website, which is called SneakyDragon.com. Did I say that already? I know, but it's true. It is true. We have a Facebook page, Sneaky Dragon, on Facebook. And on Twitter, we are Sneaky underscore Dragon. We will like and or respond to your tweets. We will respond to your emails. We will make snarky comments under your comments. (laughs) We will uh, uh, examine in excruciating detail your top ten list. If you would like... To tell us your top ten movies, feel free to send them to us because it's fun. It's fun for me, and I actually like when people send us things I haven't seen. I'm like, oh, I should watch that. <laughs> like Mother. Yeah. Oh, I should see that movie. That's why I started watching it because it was on the list. And and thank you for writing songs about books that we've, uh, yes. we've put together. Can we say a big thank you to Chris Roberts Yay! For, for his song? That was really nice of you, Chris. We appreciate it. Uh, no one else would, but we do. What? We're, there's no one who appreciates things more than we do. How about uh, How about Daniel? Nope. Okay, how about Sarah? How about Kachansky? Nope. How about little little Phil? He he appreciates it very little. <laughs> He's had his little Phil of it all. <laughs> and Ian, I just want to tell you, uh-huh. it's great to see you again after you were away. Yay! I missed you last week, buddy. Yeah, I missed you too. So it's nice. I I always look forward to these, and uh, it was a drag to miss a week, but I did get to listen to your voice when I edited the show, so that was something. Aww. But uh, welcome back. Thank you very much. And I love your haircut. Thank you very much. All right. I saw fireflies when I was there. Didn't mention that before. Oh, so I've never seen cool. fireflies. Oh, they're great. They're, are they strictly an East Coast thing? Yes, they are. Oh, so I have to go eat the East I Coast. I think so. Uh, that's the last time I saw them. Okay. This was us walking. We were walking through Central Park. By the way, we'd seen like little turtles poking their heads. Lots of little turtles poking yeah. their heads out of like the yeah. water. And we're like, oh, little sure. turtles are so great. Yeah. Like, well, that's, well, that's the how kid. the uh, meth dealers transport the meth around. That's but, right. Yeah. They put them in the back of the turtles. And then uh, they were, were walking out of the park. Uh, it started to get dark, mm-hmm. and it's safe enough to be in the park at the dark now. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Pia turns to me and goes, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Fireflies! And oh. uh, it was fireflies. Nice. Nice. Did you, see, did you see Clark in the park? We found him in the dark. Do you remember that from uh, Hop on Pop? I think it's from Hop on Pop, the Dr. Seuss book. Are you sure it's Clark? There's, there's like a creature. There's a guy. His name is Par- Clark. We, and we found him in the park. We're gonna name. Him, kn- we're gonna name him Clark. I yeah, I do it. remember him, and he's in a, yeah. a kind of a glass a glass jar kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of creepy. Uh, Doctor Seuss. Creepy and very funny. Creepy and good. I very enjoyed it. And funny. All right, everyone. I think that's a that's a last minute aside for you all. And listen to that. Sirens, yeah, our ride is here. Sirens to, to say to say goodbye to. So have a drink on us, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
You know what? I'm going to send this. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Nice job, Sasha Baron Cohen. (laughs) That's that's gone to someone. 